Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Finding Backcountry podcast. Starting to be a regular thing now, so that's good. Um, I think I've even got one episode recorded that I haven't sent off to the editor, so we're getting them stacked up. Um... This is going to be a fun one, uh, just because of my guest. I got my uh, one of my best friends back on, Corey. How you doing, buddy? Good. How are you doing? Good, man. A lot of a uh, lot of life changes, huh? In the last little bit. Yeah, I feel like I've just been running and gunning, and you know, we have our group texts with you and your brother <laughs> and Mark, and I. Uh, well, for those of you that don't know me, I'm not exactly like prompt with text messages and stuff so i'm not always i read them usually but i'm not always as involved as i should be with uh that's a really good friend well that's the definition of a good friend when you can send them a text they don't respond and then they respond four days later as if you just sent it you know yeah yeah well apologies (laughs) to you and everybody else in my life that is well aware of that madness but well, you've, um, you've had good excuse lately, aren't you? Um, so you've, you've completely moved out, uh, to you want to tell the people what's going on or how much do you want? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an open book. You know me. Yeah. So we, uh, my daughter just turned three in November. So my wife, daughter and I, uh, the last week in September moved to Wichita, Kansas. Um, we bought our first house, which was super exciting. And the last two months, amongst other things, we've been just running around traveling a ton and then still just trying to get this house in order. That's the first house we've ever owned. <laughs> and it's been a little bit chaotic. We've got a three-year-old and we're just, I painted all week. I tried to be an electrician today. You know, did it need, did like, it need some like fixer, fixing up in or what did it? No, you know, one of the reasons we, you know, my wife had a great job opportunity, which led us to Wichita, Kansas. And, um, one of the reasons that we considered it, a big part of it was to get closer to my family in Iowa and her family in Wisconsin. And then, um, another big part was when, you know, I had lived with Dustin and then rented one of Dustin's places up in Cody. And when we left Cody, Wyoming and went back to Salt Lake, it was, uh like <laughs> early 2021 i don't know the whole covid thing's all a blur the housing market was a wreck yeah and we came in we had good jobs whatever we tried to buy a house any of you who have been in the housing market in the last two years know like it's chaos salt well, lake especially salt, like yeah especially salt yeah lake. <laughs> it's peak chaos so it long story short man we moved to Wichita and bought like an awesome house. Um, but yeah, it's a, we're first time homeowners and 
wouldn't call it a fixer upper by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know, there's some rooms we wanted painted. I want dimmer switches in the basement versus the light switches that are there. And I'm not an electrician and blah, blah, blah. Organizing stuff, you know, didn't have a lawnmower, didn't have a string trimmer. I'll just, it's been fun. So yeah, I'm in Wichita, Kansas. Went goose hunting this weekend. It's <laughs> just good fun. This is a fantastic flyway. I've got to get out there. Um, yeah, come on out. We got to get Chief out. Yeah, never goose hunted a day in my life. And frankly, I don't care to. I just want to see if my dog will haul one back. <laughs> well, you know, Anthony, so side note, which is, you know, whatever. But Dustin, I've wanted a dog for the last decade. And Dustin happened to get the dog that I've wanted for yeah. a long time. And Dustin set me up with an awesome breeder. And did you know Anthony is like mainly a waterfowl guy? Um, No, not, not really. I mean, just by nature, you know, they don't have like, you know, where he lived there in Utah. Um, You know, I knew he wasn't doing a lot of quail hunting or whatever you know what i mean just right, i just figured right. being right there that's a pretty heavy uh waterfowl spot there in northern utah but yeah well he's like I, he's in arizona now and yeah. i don't know i you know him and i are still going back and forth because i'm still trying to get a drop from him but the bre- the other breeders he's had me reach out to like i i've wanted to draw r which is what chief is and uh I can't believe how many of these breeders I'm chatting with, like, dude, they're all diehard waterfowl guys. Yeah. And it's not why I was like tracking down a dog. It's certainly a benefit, but yeah. I'm a little surprised by that. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get chief down here and hopefully I've got a pup by then. Yep. Yep. That'd be fun. He, uh, <clears throat> I just got him. I just sent the email off today to get registered for what's called the breed show for him which is, you know, kind of the I, the way I interpret it from basically the outside in of this whole cult that I'm in now is, you know, it's <laughs> it's kind of like the crown jewel of the bare minimum requirements testing that you would do with a dog, right? So you go through their, they have two basic, what they call puppy or natural ability tests, one in the spring, one in the fall, and he did both of those and, and passed. Um, trust me, any uh, insufficiencies in his scores were because of his handler, not because of him. In fact, he was, he was pulling things off Corey in that test that we've never worked on. Like, you know what I mean? He was just that, (laughs) he's that good of an athlete at it. Um, you know, we had done drags and stuff, but it kind of caught me off guard and, you know, I lost track of, I guess where our training was at or whatever, but I realized, you know, too, too close to the, to the, the test that we were doing the second one that he has to not only, you know, track the dragged rabbit and a drag duck for a hundred yards out of sight of me, right? Both of the drags, they go over a hill or a hump or around a bend or something, <clears throat> but he also yeah. has to retrieve them to hand. <laughs> and we yeah. never done that. We done the first half. <laughs> we did. <laughs> so, you know, up until that point, all he knew was, Oh, we get to the rabbit and then you give me treats or, you know, whatever. And then we just, you know, I try to snatch it out of your hand while we walk back to the house. And, uh, so I'm just sweating bullets. Um, 
And that little sucker, like, just like, you know, I don't know, a scene out of Rudy or whatever, he just comes fly, flying up over the hill with this rabbit just bouncing around in his mouth like he'd done it a hundred times. <laughs> just, well, oh. well, the test, so background for those of you that don't know, Dustin got a uh, hard named Chief, um, which is supposed to be this like versatile dog. Um, for upland and tracking wounded big game and fur hunting and the Germans basically took German wire hairs and like there's this whole cult behind it yeah. which Dustin <laughs> used not me but I completely agree with they Dustin was kind enough to link me up with his breeder and they test these dogs and they've been doing these tests for over 100 years and uh, if you're looking to make money as a dog breeder don't get into the draw hard yeah, game because these bad. guys put in Dude. so much effort and Jason's pulling more money out of his golden doodles than these guys are their dogs. <laughs> yeah. like. And a heck of a lot less work. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dude, it's nuts. But um, Dustin linked me up and I got to go watch one of these trials and, you know, exactly what Dustin just described with Chief. It's like the, the first test is supposed to be natural ability. Now, somebody who's worked with their dog is going to do better than somebody who hasn't, but it's supposed to be designed around natural ability. And it's, it's why they, they've done what they've done with this breed. And I've, I've always said with any dog, cause I grew up with short hairs and um, had one in particular that was just an awesome dog, but it's like they either have the tools in the toolbox or they don't. You're not yeah. going to teach these dogs to do most of the stuff you need them to do. They either have it or they don't. And Chief has he, the ability yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, he, he, li yeah, he literally rolled the wave of his natural ability, you know, because <laughs> I mean, I just. Right. And, and now, you know, now I'm addicted kind of, right? I, I just was talking to my wife last night and I'm like, I'm like you know, we, we've never had kids, you know that, but like, um, you know, you, you see moms will have kids, right. And they're pregnant and they're like, never again. Right. No, this is the last kid. Right. And then what happens right about like, you know, two, three, four, six months later. Right. I'm sure Teresa is even like, okay, like I really would like a second kid. And you're like, honey, <laughs> do you not remember how stressful that was? And you said that you didn't ever want to do that again. I'm at that point <laughs> where yeah. I'm like, man, I really want another puppy. Like, I just want to go through that. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just like elk hunting. Like you get, you're halfway through the packing and it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. You're up there on the, I'm going to be a mule deer hunter from yep. here on out. <laughs> yeah, you're packing them out and you're like, never again. And then all of a sudden next year, you're 18 miles yeah. deep, like draw, full, full around, draw on a yeah. raghorn. Like, oh yeah, this is the one. <laughs> Why wouldn't I apply for that tag? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, it, uh, I'm gonna hold. Good. I'm gonna hold off because I've got a horse to break next uh, next year's ponchos year. But man, that I think that following year, I've just I got to do it again. Like it's just it's so much fun watching them work and going through the training and yeah. Well, I, I really gotta thank you on the Anthony side. Like, dude, that guy. <laughs> I can't say enough good things. I don't know if you've talked about him on your podcast or not, but yeah. that guy knows dogs and was very kind with his time dealing with 
Amelia, Teresa, and I at that field training day. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah, you, you um, can you can tell the difference of a guy who, I don't know, like guys who maybe are just there for some other reason. I don't I don't know. But then a guy like him who is just genuinely there because he loves it. He loves being around the people. Like he loves you because you're interested in it. Like he's just, you know, he's there for the right reasons and in, in, in well, it for the right reasons. Well, and he's pushed me towards some other breeders that he's like, I, you know, yeah, yeah he's got his own litter coming and he's like, <laughs> yeah, he's like, you really should check out this guy and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Oh, that's really cool. I want like a carbon copy of that stud you got there. How do I get that? <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> now it's, it's been really neat working with him and, yeah. Um, you know, I will say one thing about the draw heart crowd and there's, if guys are familiar with it, or if you start to learn like the versatility of the breed is super cool. There's a ton of like politics and BS around it and whatever. This is good. This isn't, it's four Dodge Chevy type BS <laughs> that happens when testosterone and males get together and start arguing. Um, I've been around quite a few dog owners and breeders and different things growing up. I've never, I've probably been on the phone with like six or eight breeders. Um, and Anthony, like kindest guy ever, but it's not as much you vetting them as it is them vetting you. Like, oh yeah, are you actually going to hunt this dog is their main concern. <laughs> and it's like, it's bizarre. Like I have money. You have dogs. I want to buy it. <laughs> it's not that easy. It seems yeah. like a pretty, like, no. you know, it's it's not that simple. Like, every yeah. single one of these breeders is, like, vetting you to find out, like, are well, you actually going to use this dog or is this, a like, a house pet dog? Right. You know. And 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 they don't mind, right? Like I've 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 actually had two of these now, and the first one was that, and it wasn't the right time in my life. But she was just going to be a hunting dog, and and a, and it was a dog that wasn't going to. She had a like an overbite, right? She wasn't going to go through the testing and be a breeding dog, and yes. he needed to know that, right? Because I was okay with that at the time. And then this dog, same thing, right? When I went to Anthony. <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's not just you know are you gonna hunt it? A lot of times it's um, listen. I've put my whole heart and soul into this litter, right? Like we talked earlier. I mean, th there's so much that goes into this, right? And when they drop a litter of puppies, um, and especially if there's the top, you know, fifty percent of them, right? Whatever that is, or the 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 ones that have it, um, they want and expect you to test them. And so with Anthony, you know, I, I got one, I started out with a female from him and the, her, her furnishings, they do a furnishing test, which is basically their beard, um, because it's a, it's a required it's trait, DNA, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's a required trait and it's a DNA test that they can run, you know, small F, big F, little F, big F, big F or whatever that tells whether they're going to have a furnishing, um, of a beard or not, which is basically a requirement. And she came back little F, little F. She wasn't going to throw a beard. And so back to what you were saying, it was like, okay, you know, Anthony knew going into it that like, hey, like I committed, I was going to test, right? I was going to go not just yeah. hunt, but I was going to test. And so he talking about a good breeder, like, and again, he, I shouldn't say this because he's not going to do this for everybody and nobody will probably know who he is, but uh, he we realized that and he exchanged 
call it an exchange kind of weird, but he took back the other dog and, and not that it was a bad deal for her. Cause she went to a family that wasn't going to test, right. They just wanted to hunt and yep. it was perfect. And chief was the pick of the litter. Like, so he was going to keep chief. Right. And I can't blame him. Cause like, you know, he's yeah. not, he's not yeah. just, he's not just, you know, I'm, I'm new to this, but he, I'm smart enough to know, like, he's not just a natural ability of a hunting dog, but he's got the look, he's got the coat, he's got, you know, whatever. And that's what we'll find out at the breed show is just how good he is at that, at that, the look and the coat and the confirmation. But anyway, it was just a real, you know, it was like, man. And then I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm ready to bleed for this guy. Cause he's like, gave me his top pick of the, of the litter of these pups. And so like, you know, then I was like, man, I'm, I got to do this. Right. And I'm so glad I did because it's so much fun, but <clears throat> Yeah. Anyway. He's, he's a, you could just tell he's a stand up dude. Yeah. And I'm like, he's trying to push me towards this other breeder. He's going to have a dog ready in March. I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit torn. Um, you know, he's gotten two dogs out of this other breeder in Iowa, which is much more convenient for my life. Cause driving to Arizona isn't real high on my priority list, but um, yeah, I'm kind of all over the board. I'm going to have a drop by next hunting season and I'm super excited about it. Love it. Uh, yeah. Don't mention Anthony's last name on this <laughs> podcast until I have a dog. Cause I don't want, there are these, these yeah. freaking dogs are already hard enough to get that I don't need to have any more competition. Yeah. But yeah, it is like a it, cold. Uh, it's, it's not just finding a breeder. It's like, you gotta, you gotta kind of get heaven in. <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. And then you have to convince these guys that they are, they're vetting you. They're like, is this, is this guy full of crap or is he like actually gonna hunt this dog? And then the next step is, is are you going to test it? And they want just so people that aren't familiar with the situation, they want that testing because it makes, it's a natural ability test. They want the feedback. They want to know how good they're doing at, you know, it's like, it'd be like if Hoyt gave you a bow that's like a bow that doesn't exist yet. And they're like, Hey, we need you to prototype this and see what you think. And then you get this yeah. ni- nice, neat bow and then you don't shoot it. Yeah. Yeah. We it's had like, all these, de- work- we had all these cool design ideas and engineering things that we put into this. And then, you know, nobody goes and shoots it and lets us know how yeah. it did. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, well, maybe next year we'll uh, we'll have them on elk hunts and we'll be able to use them to uh, to track elk or something like that, right? Well, dude, the amount of geese, like, dude, you're gonna have to come out for some geese and sandhill crane hunts, and I it it's silly. We'll we'll chat about that another time. We need to jump on the phone to talk about dogs and geese hunting, but <laughs> that's all we'll, right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm gassed about it. Yeah. So. But, well, cool, man. Yeah, so you you had a big life change and kind of getting settled in, and that's fun. You know, I've seen you guys everywhere in between. I've you know back clear back in the Shields days in Utah and up here to Wyoming for a minute, and then back and all the you know just it's fun to watch your friends kind of you know get settled in, and you got your little girl and she's growing up and just cool, man. But yeah, no, it's been. Uh... It's been fun. We we came out here October one. Uh, Trees had a little flexibility, and I drew a, uh, a limited entry elk tag, so I had the opportunity to hunt that and for a few days. And, huh? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Several. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, now we're out here made, uh, it was the last package of your Utah moose that I had in my freezer. Mm-hmm. I made a big thing of elk chili tonight or well, moose chili. Um, so now I'm cashed out on moose. Hmm. Yeah. I'm getting, me, uh, I'm getting pretty low myself. Uh, I've got a bull here kind of sitting, hanging out in my, uh, little you know, it's like an unfinished mudroom, so it's not insulated. So it keeps, it's actually works perfect for that. Cause it's probably hovering, you know, in the thirties or so, but, um, that I need to cut up. So it's about, oh, nice. I'm getting low on my moose. Yeah, it was delicious. But so you, uh, you know, part of the reason we decided to do this podcast was, uh, Dustin and I really haven't caught up with each other this fall like between my move and he's running and working and we've had some text message exchanges a couple short phone calls mostly dealing with gun stuff yeah. uh you picked up a uh pretty neat elk tag and hunted it and i haven't heard the story yet so that's yeah. really i'm i'm now the interviewer uh i'm the captain now You're the captain and too. I, I want to hear about your elk hunt. Co-pilot you is, got the tag. Co-pilot's yeah. taking over. Yeah. Uh, man, you know, I like I don't like to brag, um, but I have a knack for just finding tags, dude. Like you do. I just do, man. Like I, yeah. I there's a few, three or four little ways out there that you know if people are really tuned up, and it's funny because I'll I'll like I'll go out on these hunts, and like my brother-in-law shows up, or some of my friends at the office, or something, right? And I'm like. Oh, check this out. You got to get logged in to do this first come first serve. And they're just like looking at me like, dude, like, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> like, well, no, I, I experienced it in 20, 2019 or 2020. He's like, Oh yeah, Colorado. We got to do these tags. I'm like, okay, I'll do an elk tag. You do a deer tag. He's like, let's do this unit. And we go in and slam a 200 inch deer and I had an up tag in my pocket. Didn't see one. Yeah. And you know great. that, yeah. And that's, that's, <laughs> I saw one. Uh, yeah, I know. He was just about a thousand feet below where that big buck was. Yeah. Um, the day before. Yeah. You know, and that, ACL. So but. yeah, you, we were, we were one and a half, uh, power, yeah. but, yeah, you know, and that that's another example, right? Is like same deal with these Colorado, the first, second, third, fourth, turn back, whatever they get on, you know, and all these, you know, return tags and stuff. And there's just there's there's really so many ways to get tags in the West. Um and I, I pride myself in in being pretty dang good at it. Um, you know, and, and some of that is just the type of job I have. Right. And that was the case with this tag, right. These first come first serves. Um, I'll be honest the first year. So this is Nevada. Um, you know, real quick rewind to my, to my hunting season. And, and I think I caught everyone up there, but like I got my butt handed to me again, right. I'm chasing big, big mule deer and, you know, only had technically two tags, but it felt like about six because, my Wyoming tag is good for, you know, we went and bow hunted it, right? That feels like its own hunt. Then I went down to Colorado and did the muzzleloader hunt. And then I come back and I did the same area, general area, different spot though, for the rifle portion of the Wyoming hunt. Got skunked there, right? So that's like three hunts so far. 
then I come up and I can hunt areas in Wyoming from October like 10th to the 24th, right? And I went up and did that for a few days. So that feels like its own hunt. And then that ends, and then I can go hunt a whole other mountain range, you know, up until the first week in November. And that kind of feels like its own different type of hunt, right? Um, and I did that. And then there's even like, a, you know, kind of locally here, you can still hunt, you know, down into, and now it's like, you know, I'm hunting all the, I'm hunting everything from high country at 12,000 feet in, in September, you know, to kind of the transition October to like what feels like late season and bucks are hanging out with those to down here in the desert. And it's just like one tag, but it felt like, you know, four or whatever. So anyway, I was pretty like, you know, just, I was just beat man. Like, you know, chasing big bucks. And I'd seen a couple that I felt like afterwards, like freak, man, I probably should have pulled the trigger and I didn't, but, um, you know, so once the dust all settled from that, man, I was, um, you know, like I said, this is like first week in November or so second week, maybe. And, um, you know, I'm just done. Like, I'm just, I'm kind of back in the office and I'm, it's nice to just, you know, the feeling, right? Can, like, can you say you're sick of mule deer? No, no, I'm, say it. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm addicted, man. Like now I'm, <laughs> obs- now I'm like, know. I'm obsessed. Right. I'm like, like, I feel like chief, you know, he doesn't go anywhere now without hunting and looking for a bird or a mouse or, you know, a, a raccoon or a skunk or whatever. Right. Like I'm just, and he's just, he's almost sick. Like you watch him and he's just like, he'll, he'll hear a box twitch in the house and he's just like pointing it. Right. Like, what is it? Like, and that's how yeah. I feel. I'm just addicted, man. Like, <clears throat> and, and there's some insight to that on this, on this outcome that I want to talk about. But anyway, um, you know, so I'm like winding down, I'm in the office, like hunts are over for the year. I'm done. All my tags are done. I didn't kill anything. It's over. Right. And I'm like, all right. Well, Nevada's got this first come first serve. And I'll be honest, a year ago, um, when they first came out with it, it was the wild, wild west. Like there was no rules. It was awesome. Dude, it was awesome. Like there was no rules. There was no regulations. I mean, it was literally like settling the West and any which way you could figure out how to get logged in there, multiple screens, like people logging in for each other. There was probably some, you know, I heard like rumors of, of like, no, no one I knew obviously, but like really smart people programming their computers to like Uh, capture tags. Right. And like, I chatted with our, I was, working for crispy at the time and there was a computer programmer that worked for another company and i like walked him through that whole scenario i'm like hey what's it take and he he basically was just like yeah you could just do this and this and this <laughs> yeah and he's like that's how people get like taylor swift tickets at ticker uh, Ticketmaster. they uh, like build this thing out and it like and he's like hi and me, I walked- i'm the problem it's me yeah <laughs> no it, yeah we didn't do it but he basically was like yeah like I could build that out, but it'd be like 75 hours of work. Right. And it's like, well, this guy who's like, you probably couldn't hire for 80 or a hundred dollars an hour. Uh, like, yeah, I don't have 7,500, but some of these other guys who are like looking for sheep tags. Yeah. It's cheaper than like, that's the cheapest sheep tag you've ever gotten. Yeah. So I'm sure that was going on. Oh dude. I, yeah. Like I said, it, it clearly was because, that year ended, right? And I think that was the year that I got my um 
my Nevada, I, I, I was like one of the first, I felt like, right. Like that, that 231 archery tag. And it was like, no one really knew, like, you know, if you weren't really tuned into this, you didn't know what was going on and nobody really knew how to work the system. I don't think. And, um, got that tag boom. And it was just like, dude, this is going to be awesome. Right. Well, one year of that and it was like yeah nevada game and fish jumped all over that and they're like listen uh we're gonna change this up and you know a a few things right because you know and this is just to illustrate how crazy random it was that i got this tag right but you used to be able to log into as many windows as you wanted they took that away you if you tried to log in more than once right with with like two separate uh windows open on your computer it would like shut you down log you out or whatever it did uh you used to be able to just you know these these tags would pop so fast um and the the advantage of that is you'd have all these different windows open because the the program that they have only refreshes every 30 seconds well these tags are so it's so competitive to get these that these aren't there for 30 seconds. They're not even up there for three seconds. Right. If no, I, yeah, less than a second sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. These, these highly sought after tags. I mean, when I clicked on this, I was, I definitely clicked on it in less than two seconds and probably less than one second to put it in my car. By the last year I picked up that, uh, I can't even remember the unit. I didn't even get a hunt. Oh, work and different things. Frick. Yeah, I forgot about that. Remember that? Deer, yeah, that was... deer tag? Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, I I do now. I, I didn't even go over there because yeah. work was so crazy. And it, you know, the part of these, if you're not familiar with the system, they basically re-release return tags. And we, I don't think we need to go into all the nuance of like why they get returned when they do and whatever. Well, it's just These, inside of 14 days is the key, right? Because yeah, those, the tags that are outside of 14 days before a hunt starts, when they get returned, they go to what's called the alternate, right? And when you apply back in March or April or whatever, you get to check a box and say, do you want to be an alternate for this? And if you do, and you're next in line, they just automatically, if it's 15 days before the hunt starts, and that tag gets turned back and you're next in line, guess what? You're they don't even ask. Your card gets charged. You're a tag owner. You're a tag owner. Yep. And you have yep. fi- and you have 15 days. Well, inside of 14 days or or closer, they don't like doing that because you know, some of these hunts are big deals and vacation or whatever. So that's their cutoff. Well Well Well, and back up a step. In the state of Nevada, you can turn a tag back in clear up to the day before right. hunt starts and that's but what you eat the but you eat the cost of the tag so sure. for a non-resident uh elk tag is eleven hundred dollars twelve hundred twelve hundred i know because i just paid um, it. <laughs> most most guys aren't gonna turn back in a twelve hundred dollar tag your average guy who draws it especially in a state like nevada where you know, it's pretty tough to draw. Their system is set up, so nothing's guaranteed. Yeah. Um, but these residents, you know, you wait 10, 12, 15, 20 years, you draw a tag, you got 20 points, you go scout it. It's a drought year because welcome to the state of Nevada. <laughs> and you don't see the elk you want. You know, you scout it super hard. You're hoping to shoot a 360 bull or 380 or 400 or whatever. You don't see it. You scout it right up to the day you turn that tag back in. Yeah. 
what is a resident elk tag? 80 bucks? Yeah, I'd do it. It's 10%, yeah, so turn, it's 120. Yeah. Yeah, turn it back in. Yeah. Draw well, it in next year. And and I, I think surprisingly, a lot of non-residents do that, especially like you said, drought years on those real desert arid, you know, mule deer is really, really popular um, to do that it, with because they're, you know, these are units that on the right year, they hold 230 inch deer and on the wrong year, they hold 190 inch deer, right? And it's the same buck, but it's just a matter of, you know, two rains at the right time. And so I, yes. Long story short, if it's inside 14 days, it goes to this website yeah. and then Dustin Whitworth buys it. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and there's some, there's a lot of nuance to this, right? Because, uh, so the, just the speed that we're talking, right? So, so the, the state jumps in after last year, they, they shut this whole thing down, man. Like they, they're like, they put it on lockdown. In other words, they want you you know, they only let you log in once. Okay. They, uh, the other thing you could do is because it happens so fast last year, you used to be able to just, you could just like picture that, that tag popping up and you don't want to take the time to really process what it is, what the tag is and what unit it is. And so you just click add to cart. And as you're clicking add to cart, you're taking a mental snapshot and then you have it in your cart, and then <laughs> this is how technical it is. Dude, got. it's so hard to explain without yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, but but like boom, it like yep. you know it, it pops it. up on the screen, and it's like, yep, just add to cart. And then what you did last year is like, okay, hold on, you you have that mental snapshot. And you're like, that was an antlerless tag. I don't want that, right? And then you just you refresh your page, turn it back, or exit out, or whatever well, you did. Because because here was the problem last year was. If you click like to buy this tag, it would prompt you to like a cart to purchase it. And it would tell you, I think it wouldn't maybe tell just you the price. Yeah. It wouldn't tell you anything. It would just maybe tell yeah. you like elk or something like you just, yeah, you just added it to the cart, but you didn't know the unit. So dude, I don't think if you knew whether it was antlered or antler, no, but no, you're you trying did... to like click it and grab it and get it in your cart. Right. Cause once it's in your cart, you have it for like five or 15 minutes. Yeah. I strongly considered setting up a GoPro <laughs> so that I could go back to the film because I'd throw stuff in my cart and not get a good enough mental snapshot and be like, <laughs> yeah, was that, ant was that antlerless? <laughs> like, seriously, I've never even thought of that. That's genius. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought about it at the time. Uh, I was like, yeah, just, just 24 hours. <laughs> throw the red flag. So yeah. you can just picture like, you know, oh, so, so yeah. So this year, once you added anything to your cart, at least for that species, I believe you couldn't add another one of you were, you were done for seven days. If you accidentally added the antlerless, like, and you didn't want it, it and you backed it. out, you're done for seven days. You can't add another elk. You're locked out. And so. Which was a good rule change. I think, you know, I it worked out for me. Um, the chaos was fun. The chaos was sure fun, though. Like, I, I honestly, I would take the chaos. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Because this was just, both. this is like winning the lottery, right? So, anyway, it's just, again, back to the refresh rate. It's like every 30 seconds. It's a waste of time is what I'm getting at. Like, now it's a waste of time honestly, like, unless you have a job where you can just, you have like two or three monitors or whatever, 
and you can just not have one you need to work on or whatever, which is kind of what I had. Um, you know, there's hours throughout the day where nothing pops up, nothing at all. And so you're just kind of watching this page sit there and refresh. You have to keep some activity on the page. In other words, every like couple minutes, you're over there just scrolling up and down real quick to make some activity on the page or else it'll lock you off, log you out. So it's really just, it's, it's the long shot of all long shots, but I'll, I'll tell you what, man, like, here's my testimony is if a guy's diligent and sits on there all from August when the bow hunts start until November or December, like I did, um, you could get a tag for probably every species like, well, and here's, here's the kicker on that is not only do you have to be diligent and be on there, you got to know what's 14 days out yeah, and what you would buy. Yeah. So to my, exactly. Right. And that's where my story comes in and, and why I have an upper hand on this. Right. I know Nevada extremely well. I grew up there. If you just think that you're some guy, you know, that lives out in Iowa and you're just going to jump on and, and, and let alone see a tag and then have to sit and process, right? Like, oh, you know, area 111 through 115, is that good? And then you're logging into Go Hunt or whatever, you know, you're getting on Epic Outdoors and you're like, you're on the clock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I'm not even talking like adding it to your cart and then doing that. Oh, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yep. Cause you got to be careful. You can't just dump something into your cart. Cause then, like I said, you're locked out for seven days. Right. So it's like three, three pieces of data that you're, that I was keying in on. And I, I knew two out of the three, when I put this in my cart, the, the species, right. And the male or female. So I knew that it was an antlered, um, prior to what some people think there's only two, uh, sexes, <laughs> right. Are you sure? I'm positive. Um, so that was the first, like, okay, antlered. Right. And you have to, you had to register that and then the unit. And again, it like, you've got to know, you you know, either you don't have to be from there like I am, but you got to know the like two or three units, or maybe you don't care. I don't know, but you know, depending on if you're after one of the premium units, like you got to know them off the top of your head memorized. And and you got a seven year waiting period on elk. You buy the wrong tag and it's like. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you better go hunt it. You know, you, you can technically, I think you can re you can return a, uh, turn back tag. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. I did not. Yeah. So you, you can go return it, you know, and lose your money. (laughs) That's a (laughs) $1,200 mistake. (laughs) Anyway. To your wife. Yeah. Um, so those are the, I, I saw right off, I saw that it was antlered elk and i saw that it was 111 through 115 i don't have any problem t- talking about units I was in this just case gonna ask you you're gonna say the unit don't don't care because it's don't care it's like the limited entry like we hunted the book cliffs and guess what like you know what i mean like i'll no. almost tell you right where i was because it's it's not like a general tag that i'm gonna get every year or anything like that it doesn't matter it's, right. it just is what it is so. you you can't go back in there for seven years locked out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on a waiting period now. So what I didn't know was the dates. Right. And that's like what you said is you got to know what hunts. So what I did, I, I locked it into my cart and I had that mental snapshot. Okay. I know it's an antler tag, bull tag. And I know it's in 111, 115. Like I know right off. That's one of the top three units in the state. It's not 
you know, maybe not the best uh, seasons, right? These late rifles, but that's what time of year it was. So I knew it was either there's two rifle seasons. There's the early, which started, I, th- I want to say like the 6th through the 20th, probably. And then there was the late tag, which opened the 21st through de- December 4th, just barely closed. When I put that thing in my cart, this would have been like the, uh, well, two weeks before the 21st. So about the 7th or 8th or something like that, right? Let's say right about a month ago, if I had to guess. Yeah. Yeah. Right around the, it was almost two weeks before the 21st. Uh, I didn't, I didn't catch the date. And so I actually had my thing in my cart. First thing I did is I tried calling like three people. Like I called my, I tried calling my brother like six times. Didn't answer. Not a good time for everyone to not answer. And I, I knew what I had, but I was just like, you just want that confirmation, right? Like, Hey, I'm about to do something really big here and really expensive. Like, right. Like we're, we're all good. You know, people that know me best and got, and my brother knows that unit better than I do. And like, I'm like, right, bro. Like, and he didn't answer. <clears throat> Called a couple other guys didn't answer, um, that would know that hunt that unit. So in the mean, T- what's that? T-bone. Yeah. Yeah. I called the uh, Travis yeah. who guides with my brother. And then I called, uh, I called, tried calling Carter <laughs> and yeah. none of them, none of them answered. Uh, and You're so on an Island, I'm, yeah, I'm on you an Island, me. but I'm like you... I said, man, I'm okay with it. Cause I, I know what I got, right? Like I, yep. I know what I got. What I don't know is which dates it was. And so in the five minutes that it gives you, I logged into Nevada's website and I searched the season dates and I found the elk and I went down and I confirmed like, okay, there is one tag that just opened the early rifle and ends on the 20th, which would have given me, you know, at the time it would have been like a little more than, you know, 10 days of hunting. And there's also a late if tag. left that day. Yeah. Yeah. Which trust me, I was gone. Like <laughs> yeah, in yeah, my yeah, head, yeah. in my head that I had to assume in fact that it was that tag. And that was the decision that I made is I'm like, okay, I bet this is the early tag. Cause guys can turn these tags back in the season, right? They get an injury or a death in the family or they get COVID or whatever. Right. Well, um, and if it had just opened, it could have been added to cart one or two times and gone back into the pool. If people didn't buy it. Yeah. Yep. And so I had to assume that that was the tag is the one that was already open. <clears throat> and I was a hundred percent okay with that when I clicked like purchase. Cause again, like you said earlier through the whole process, not just when you add it to your cart, but literally through the whole process of checking out and everything, um, they don't tell you, they don't show you what you have in your cart. Like it's nuts, right? I don't know if they do that genius. on purpose or not, but man, they, do. For, they have to dude. It, it adds to the drama. Holy crap. It does. Like it does. Cause, cause you're just not a hundred percent sure. Right. And that, like same thing with my, my deer tag last year, it was like, I, I knew, but I was like, geez, like, is that really what I had in there? And what I texted you, you and Jason on mine, same deal. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm pretty sure I have such and such tag. You guys are like, yeah, buy it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. Did I, you know, want, want, sure. want, it's like, Oh, two thirty one or two thirteen. Oh crap. Like, two thirteen has no deer in it or something, you know, don't be dyslexic. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
that was the story, right? It's like that thing's in the, I checked out and I assumed that I was leaving that night and I was just gone. And luckily I work at an awesome company where like of all places, this was kind of understood. Right. And so I'm like, you know, I'll ask for forgiveness later. How could a, how could a hunting rifle company fire me for going hunting? Right. (laughs) Uh, Well, you'd be surprised. They probably could, but uh so to my like relief i checked okay so 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 the clock's ticking down man like you know three minutes two minutes one minute and i'm kind of still waiting for someone to answer back and like now now i'm freaking out in my office right my buddies at work are coming in and they're like dude what's going on because i'm like no way how much white monster have you dragged all of it right i am the white monster at this point and so they're like, oh my gosh. So, and I still haven't checked out yet. No, what are you going to do? And I'm like, dude, and I'm explaining to him what it is. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, you know, I've got 12, I think 12 or 13 Nevada elk points. So yep. these wipe your points. This is a big deal, right? This is like a commitment. And I'm like, with about 30 seconds left, I'm like, I'm doing it. Right. Even I'm like, I know it's that tag that ends on the 20th, the early one, but I don't care. That's plenty of time. I'll go down. I'll kill a bull. I go to check out and I hit the card that's on file. And with about 30, now it's like 25 seconds. Now it's like 20 seconds. And I'm like, boom, check out. Bye. And it's like red. And it's like, takes me back. And it's like the card on file is expired or whatever. Right. And I'm like, Oh. no and i'm like the clock Corey, is like 20 oh, no. 15 13 it gets down to like i remember it being at eight seconds and there's i look because now it's like okay i look and there's, there's a second there's a right there's a second card on file okay but i don't okay. use that card very often and i'm like the chances of that one being any more up to date or whatever Maybe. is less than the other card. Cause that's the card I use all the time. And so now I have this, I'm like under 20 seconds and you can either enter a card or you can just click, I can click on that other card, man. And I'm like, I'm looking at it and my wallet's right there. And I'm like, you know, it's like 16, 15, 14. There is no possible way I'm getting another card entered. Right. Right. Not right. going to happen. And so I'm like, I send one up real quick and then I clicked on that other card and it's like, like I said, man, the last thing I remember seeing was like eight seconds left and I click it and it's like place order. And I'm just like, it's not going to work. Like, I know it's not going to work. Order's been confirmed. (gasps) (laughs) And then you got to find out what tag you got. Then I find out what tag I got. And that's when it really got like, that's when I really calmed down is when it comes up November 21st to December 4th. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, it's the late tag. Thank you. Like, so now I've got like two weeks, you know, to prepare and get everything in order. And, you know, I got logistics and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, that was the craziness of getting the tag. Like it was eight seconds away from, you know, just not, not getting it. Not getting it. Yeah. yeah. And then I would have been, it would have been the worst. <laughs> you want to talk about the worst year ever. Like, oh man. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm so happy to hear you get this jazz about elk. Well, and it just, okay, it puts me in a good place, man. Yeah, you know, and okay, so 
so I'll, I'll, I'll tell this hunt story, but first, like here, here's my takeaway relative to mule deer. First of all, I had nothing else going on. Literally all my mule deer tags were done, expired. I couldn't hunt them legally. Right. And so there's that. What else have I got to do? And second of all, here's something interesting, man. Have you realized that late season bull elk, big bull elk act just like mule deer in October? Um, I've been saying that. No. Or like. No. No, no. Wait, 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 wait. I've been saying, because I've. I don't like to be like an archery purist. In fact, I like to consider myself a firearm connoisseur and enjoy firearm hunts. But I've always said that the proper way to hunt elk is archery. Because if you're not hunting with a bow in September, you're just hunting a really big mule deer. <laughs> I've right. said that for years. That's you. true. That's true. I, I thought you were going to say, you know, that you've said late season elk hunting is the best or something, but no, you're right. You've always like, they meant to be hunting in September, right? Um, I, and I, and I completely back out of that and I'll get to that later on in this yeah. podcast, but like, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but what I realized is like, they, I, I like onesies and twosies, right? These bulls, these big bulls, mature, mature bulls were almost oh, wow. always in onesies and twosies yeah they they rarely were in big bachelor herds the young bulls would be in groups of you know which and i'll, and I'll tell that story about this bull um that i shot later but um they they're they want to be left alone they're in these deep nasty little pockets or holes or places that they just you know typically aren't easy to see or be seen or right or whatever. So spent seven or eight years learning where like not to get shot. Yeah. Yep. And I'll tell you, like uh, again, this this bull, he was the epitome of this. Um, he made one mistake. Uh, but anyway, like kind of interesting. Like you know, not that I'm like again, I'm not off mule deer. I'm on to elk because I figured out that they're the late season bulls are like hunting big big mule deer. <laughs> That are, I I thought you didn't like shooting elk because they're a lot harder to get out of there. <laughs> no, I've got too many, I've got too many resources with pack animals to have <laughs> that be an issue. Right. Uh, I have a whole right. fleet of llamas, you know, yeah. uh, and ponies too. So yep. no, anyway, um, it, it was, it was fun, man. So, you know, then the planning starts and like I hit my dad up and, you know, uh, this is, um, this unit has a couple big mountain ranges, uh, a lot of big mountain ranges, but it's, it's, uh, you know, typical Nevada mountain ranges where you crest up, you know, two miles up to the top and then two miles down on the other side and you're, you know, from valley to valley, so to speak. And so it, in other words, was mostly a, uh, truck camp, you know, trailer camp type of a hunt, um, which, which had its own, um, you know, it had its own, its own, uh, challenges. Um, you know, the biggest, biggest thing that I mean by that is every day, it basically felt like every day was a new, a new hunt, right? You were starting over because especially, you know, I'll, I'll get into like how I was hunting, but, but half of the days I was solo. Um, and that had its own challenges on this deal, but, um, got, got, so 
you know, it's like, you know, centralized camping spot with a camp trailer, which would, would be nice. Cause it was butt cold a couple nights. Um, you know, the whole deal, right. Food and steaks and burgers and everything at the camp and, um, needed a, you, need, you definitely want a side-by-side or a four-wheeler, right. Or a or little truck you could beat up and go up on some of these, you know, little side roads. Um, sure. And at first it was like, oh, let's get horses out there. And then I kind of came to my senses and was like, you know, my dad was back at the ranch taking care of the llamas and, um, he was just going to be on call with the horses, which is, which is kind of what ended up happening. So I didn't have to deal with taking care of them the whole time, but had them there, so to speak, because, you know, he only lives two or three hours from where I was hunting. So, um, kind of ideal with horses, like, yeah, not having to deal with them all the best without having to take care of them. Yep. 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 Exactly. You know, if it was llamas, I mean, even then, right. You got water freezing hard every night, you know, down into the teens and stuff. So that wouldn't have been fun either, but, um, yeah. So got out there. Um, (laughs) so before I get into the hunt here, there's, there's three, um, near death experiences that I had on this hunt and, uh, two of them were on the, on the trip out. I won't call them near death, but they were, they potentially could have, could have been one for sure. Um, so to get out there logistically, there was just some stuff going on. I don't have the right hitch for this, this fifth wheel that my dad has this camp trailer. So I had to use his truck. He had to take llamas the day I showed up, he had to take them down to Jason. And so anyway, I was going to have to travel out by myself that, that first weekend that I got there, I showed up a couple days before the hunt opened. And so to do that and get everything, the trailer and the side-by-side, I had to double haul it, right? <laughs> Which is, you know, in other words, hook the, hook the fifth wheel up to the truck, hook the four-wheeler trailer with the side-by-side up to the fifth wheel. <laughs> so Sounds sketchy. Sounds sketchy, right? Uh, it was fine. Everything was fine. I go two and a half hour drive, no problems. Everything's great. Uh, the only thing is like, you can't really see that trailer back behind you, right? Every once in a while, I'd catch a glimpse of the shadow or I'd turn real hard to kind of see it or whatever. And like, oh, yep, it's still there. That's good. (laughs) Um, Until I pulled into where I was going to camp. And when I did that off the highway, there's uh, I made a 90 degree turn going really slow. And as I did, I look back and I happened to notice one of the two. Luckily, it was a double axle. But one of the two tra- uh, tires on the driver's side, luckily it was the driver's side or I wouldn't have even caught it. Uh, it's wobbling as we're, as we're driving. Like when I say wobbling, I mean top, you know, in, out, in, out. It is wobbling like hard. And I'm like, hmm, that's not good. Uh, I'm not a mechanic, but I know that's not good. Tires are <laughs> supposed to be, you know, firm, like up against the yep, thing and yep. just go in a circle this thing was wobbling hard. Well, I'm only like, you know, less than a quarter mile from where I'm in a uh, camp. And so I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. Right. I, I got it. <laughs> well, what, I mean, what, you know, what are you going to do at that yeah. point? Right. Like right. just, I'm going four miles an hour sure. or whatever. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to get up to camp and I'll deal with it. Uh, so getting up to camp though. So that's the first thing, right. Is that tire? I mean, it, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you here in a second, but, as we're going, as I'm going up to camp, there's one little pitch of a hill and it, it, it had obviously, it had snowed out there, re, you know, within the last week or so. 
and not a big pitch, but you know, a couple hundred yard stretch of just a nice little gradual incline of a dirt road. But it had been driven on so many times that the you know the tracks were just ice, right? There was your dad's. Your dad's still got that six seven Ford. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's got a six seven power shot, stroke. Right keeps good tires on it. No, no, he no. he doesn't. Okay. Uh, that was that was uh, the first thing. First thing I noticed is, I mean, good quality tires, but they were down to you know twenty percent tread or less. Yeah. Uh, so I hit that. Um, I hit that little gradual incline, and I wasn't smart enough to begin with to put it in four wheel. And so what do I do? Uh, I get about a hundred yards up it, and now the truck's not going forward anymore. Right. So I'm like, oh shoot. Need to put it in four wheel drive. So I stop, I, I brake, right? Because we're not going anywhere anyway. And put it and drop it in four wheel and go to start climbing. And I'm I'm hitting the forward pedal, but we're going backwards. <laughs> and so, not a good sign. Not a good when you're sign. You're double hauling. Bro, I oh, all of a sudden, okay. Have you ever with, been with in a, those what six- I assume is a broken axle after like from your previous description uh it it turned out to be uh all the bearings were gone the the axle was in great shape the bearings were non-existent they weren't there uh you could see daylight through where the the bearings would be nice which you had to replace the axle for i would assume i don't think so i it's it's actually still in the shop they're they're uh I, i haven't actually my dad took it in and uh Anyway, I don't think so. I, yeah. I, okay. Far from a mechanic. So someone out there is going, yeah, right. Retard. But, um, so we're on this gradual slope and all of a sudden I'm, I'm going backwards, not real fast, but I'm not able to stop. I give it, I give it fuel and I can hear the tire spitting, but we're still going backwards. I hit the brakes and same thing. We just lock up and we're going backwards. And so, you know, those moments in life where all you can literally, all you can do is just sit back and see what happens on a roller coaster. I just sat there, man. Like we're just sliding backwards down this hill. I've got a fifth wheel trailer and a double hauled, uh, you know, four wheeler trailer behind that. And I'm like freaking out in my head, but I'm also like very content. Cause I'm just like, well, <laughs> there's literally nothing I can do here. And so I'm just going to see what happens. Well, finally the four wheeler trailer obviously starts jackknifing in, in towards yeah. the driver's side and it gets about 90 degrees or so. And that's, that's really what kind of stopped us. And if, the, if the hill had been any steeper, um, you know, we would still be sliding probably, but, it kind of, it got enough traction going sideways that it stopped. So, you know, everything comes to a stop and I'm like, you know, now I'm kind of starting to freak out and I'm like, well, the bikes probably pushed through the back of the trailer. There's probably damage. I'm probably done hunting. I'm probably gonna have to take the camper in or whatever. Right. I'm just like worst case here. Like I get out and luckily like the bike had turned and was like just touching the trailer, but didn't have any like damage. And so I'm like, okay, so I get everything stopped. I chalk the, you know, the back of the truck wheel. So nothing, you know, loses traction, keeps sliding or whatever. I'm like, all right, what do I got to do here? I fire the bike up. I, I dump it off the trailer. 
then I unhook the trailer, which at that point is pretty light. I hook it up to the to the side by side at that point, right, and drag it out of the way, and then I was able to kind of back the trailer down the hill, right. So, like all's well that ends well for but for about like you know ten seconds there, I was just like, dude, I I don't know when this is gonna stop and if we're gonna you know tip or roll or what the heck's gonna happen, man. It was pretty. Uh, it was just hello. Little Western. Yeah. Yep. So get, uh, get, get camp set though. And, you know, got down to another spot and just got camp set or whatever. So. Anyway. Well, and I, I always joke about the like positions we put ourselves in hunting. Like I, I got a little bit of granola in me, right? Like I, I'll go camping I'll go mountain biking and I'll go do these different things. But like, the things we end up doing to our vehicles <laughs> to, you know, like the, it's like, Oh yeah, well it all tell a quick story. Bear camp 2016, you and me driving up into Idaho end up, you know, driving into a spot where it's like, Hey, this little town, 68 miles of gravel outside of, uh, <laughs> places you can access it's like hey this is the worst flooding we've ever seen if this floods yeah we don't we don't know when you're gonna get out pass it you're on risk and we're like ah okay (laughs) (laughs) so we went in there we'll be fine you know we were flipping a coin that day bro yeah yeah that time of year in all sincerity yeah 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 we were flipping a coin yeah like couple more inches of rain you know and it, it's just one of those things you got a plan i've uh gone into situations underprepared and gotten very lucky yeah um and i think you're probably in the same boat um but getting your getting your ducks in a row keep yeah. the toe strap around you know have an emergency kit have some extra food yeah yeah, it's you like it. it's like my dad always says, like you can't, you know. He got mad once because like brand new trailer, he and he was like backing it up when we were kids, and he backed it into a tree or something, you know, <laughs> and just the four wheeler trailer, and it dented it, and it was brand new, and he just comes out of the truck all fired up. You can't do the things that we do and have nice stuff. <laughs> like that was no. his famous line, and it's no. yeah, you can't do the things that we do, man, and not put yourself in some dangerous situations. You know what I mean, like. It's just the inherent risk, right? Whether it's, you know, backing trailers up and down mountains or uh, hunting in grizzly country or, you know, going on 67-mile dirt roads that could be flooded. Like, it's just, it's like what? Part of the deal. Part of the deal, man, and we love it. What we sign up for. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we do. So, anyway, get out there. get You got camp set. I got camp set, man. And, uh, you know, at that point, like I said, I mean, what, what, what transpired during the hunt, you know, and I, like every day was, was the same and different, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I'm going to wake up and, you know, I, I haven't done any scouting. Obviously I had one extra day before the hunt opened and I didn't really see any bulls, definitely no bulls. I'm like going to hunt, but it's like, you know, there's so much country. It's not just like, you know, it's not like, Oh, here we are. And you know, we're up on this mountain and this is where we're going to hunt. Right. And I'm going to go to the same spot every day. And you know, maybe this Canyon instead of that Canyon, it's like, 
okay, I could go to this mountain range. I could go to that mountain range. I could go to this mountain range. This mountain range broken up into two mountain ranges. I could go to the south one or the north one. This one's 40 miles long and it's got 28 different canyons on it. Oh, and there's an east side and a west side that I could check. You know what I mean? Like it well, is touch, touch base on that. You spent 1200 on the tag. You spent 12 or 13 points. You spent, uh, you know, you're seven years out before you can even start applying. So you're legitimately 20 years worth of points out on this hunt. When you buy that, when you click proceed with eight seconds left, touch base on like, you know, you own, you have a very short window from the day you buy that tag to the day the hunt's over. Yeah. Well, right? yeah. I mean, you don't get a scout. You don't get a, you know, this is a once in a lifetime tag for most people. Right. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I'll, I'll be honest, like most guys get a guide, right? Like most, most out of staters, at least, you know, if you didn't grow up there, you get an outfitter and that's how you be successful in this type of hunt. Right. No, not, not to say that, I mean, there's, there are so many elk on this, uh, hunt, you know, anybody can find elk. That's not the problem, but, um, yeah, I mean, you know, luckily though, Nevada isn't as quite as stingy, you know, as like if this is New Mexico. So, so Jason didn't make it, right? He didn't make it on this hunt and it's because his wife had drawn uh, a New Mexico muzzleloader elk tags almost the same time. It was like the 19th through the 23rd or something like that. It's a 5-day season. Period. Like that's it. You get 5 days. Nevada luckily gives you 2 weeks, right? And, and so that was, I mean, I, I felt like that's pretty generous of them, right. To give you two weeks. And, and I was there for the long haul. It wasn't like, you know, I, I really would have lost my job, I think, but, um, you know, I ended up going, luckily the first week was over Thanksgiving. Right. So I only missed like two or three days of actual work days. Right. And then I killed, you know, whatever, like Sunday or Monday, um, of the, of that weekend after Thanksgiving. And so with button and camp up and getting a bull moved around and all the pack out and stuff, you know, I'm back to work on Wednesday. Right. Um, but if it had, like I was there for the duration, cause what you said, I mean, this is a once, you know, maybe twice in your lifetime, um, type of a tag, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, you know, back, back to like how I was relative to what I was doing on the hunt, it was like, it, it almost becomes a little bit scary because, you know, it's like, like I said, every, every day you're starting a new hunt. It's like, okay, well, there wasn't any bulls on this, in this couple canyons. So I'm going to go to a whole nother place tomorrow. Right. And, you know, and, and now I'm, I'm most of the days I'm by myself. I had help a couple of days, right. My brother-in-law came out for a few days, like super awesome. Uh, my dad came out for like one day, but you know, at least half of the days I'm by myself. And so the problem with that on a unit like this is a lot of the times you would see a bull in the evening and then it was like, okay, what do you do the next day? Right. The, the, the nights are super long, right? The days are super short. So let's say you glass a bull at four forty, right. And it gets dark at five Nevada time. Now it's like, okay, you don't, you didn't have time because you glassed them. A lot of the glassing, you know, you're, you don't want to picture, you know, glassing from the valley floor, right? That's kind of how you attack this is like, 
you know, you would get where you could see two or three big canyons from a miles away, right? One to three miles away, just because that's, you know, the best way to let your optics cover some ground. Um, what do you use in optics wise? Well, I basically was limited to my spotter uh, because I, I lost at some point early in the hunt. I lost my little uh, outdoorsman's adapter for my 12s. Which the spotter is probably the best, you know, again, when you're glassing, you know, two plus miles, yep. the spotter's the only answer, right? The, even those 12. Running are, an ATX. Uh, ATX. Or a BTX. A, yeah. ATX 80. Yep. Um, you know, and, but, but, you know, be, because like you said, because this is a once in a lifetime, because this is a big deal, like I'm not just looking for the first six point, right? Before I yeah. left, um. 360 inch bull was like my, you know, that it's, that's what I told the guys in the shop. I'm like, you know, the problem is going to be if I see a 360 bull, what I think is a 360 bull on day one. Right. Cause it's like, I know there's bigger bulls there, but like, that's kind of my, like, that's what I want to come out of this with. If I come out of this with a 360 plus bull, I'm like, I've never killed a bull that big uh biggest bull i've it's a killed huge bull yeah it's a, it's a big bull right and there's there's bigger in this unit but there's also you know this isn't this isn't like super freaking big bulls like you know maybe some of those arizona type units right or the the big big bulls that come out of the gila sometimes like you know they get the right year down there and it seems like every bull's 380 390 400 you know or 410 or or utah right back in the heyday right back in the 040506 or whatever it was um you know this isn't like that right anymore where you're just going to go hunt. it's not like you're going to go shoot a 400 inch bull but you know there's 360 bulls there's 370 bulls there's definitely some 380 400 bulls that get killed throughout these different seasons on these hunts so they're there um, but for me, like 360 for whatever reason, like I've killed a 355 bull. That was like 360 is what I'm happy coming home with. And so, so, you know, the tactic here isn't just to find a bull. It's to cut, keep covering as much country um, as you could. Cause you would see bulls every single day. I saw bulls every morning and every night, maybe, maybe like one morning of, of the, let's see, I hunted, um, it opened on a Monday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, killed on Sunday. So what is that, eight days or seven days or whatever? Every single day I saw bulls, multiple bulls, and, you know, I looked over, I counted by the end of the hunt, I looked over what I remembered to be 40 or so mature bulls, like 46-point bulls, okay? So the problem isn't finding bulls. It's finding the bull and then it's finding the bull in a place where you can go make a move on the bull and then it's actually executing that and pulling it off. Right. And that's like, you can, you can stack up two weeks worth of hunting really quick and not have anything to show for it doing that tactic. Right. Like, because of what I said, especially when you're alone, man, you're, you, you, you wake up and it's like, okay, I want to go hit this part of this mountain, right? And there might be a burn on it or there's two or three big canyons or whatever. Well, you can't just go hike up in there. You can, 
you sure can, but you're, you're, you're almost getting, you know, you're almost putting too many eggs in one basket for the day. Right. Because you can't, right. You know, you get into a big Canyon, but you can't see, you know, enough. And so I wanted to do as much glassing with my eyes and find the bowl that I'm looking for first. And so it was like four five, six days of, okay, wake up. Okay. Drive, you know, well before sun up, you know, dump the bike, drive up another little side canyon and get to where I'm going to glass these two or three big canyons that I can see miles and miles. And maybe there was a bull there. Maybe there wasn't. There's a lot of mornings and evenings where it was like, Oh, there's three, four, five bulls on this mountainside, you know, scattered. They're all, you know, there's one mature bull. that's like three twenty, And then there's a bunch of raghorns. Right. And it's like, want, want, want like, okay, that spot I'm kind of done there and I'm going to go on to the next place. Right. Um, and, and like I said, then there was a couple times where I found the right bull. I found at least one bigger than the bull I killed, you know, but it was like, okay. Um, you know, I find him in the morning and I, to get to where he's at, I have to lose track of him. Right. The other problem is, is you got, you got to understand this hunt. You've got a very heavy outfitter presence. Okay. And because of that, they aren't just hunting one and two guys. They're hunting 10 or 12 guys might be out there for one tag or two tags or whatever. But what the, what the advantage they've got is they've got multiple guys and multiple eyes. There was even another tag holder out there that wasn't hunted guiding or guided, but they just, um, you know, like the, the son, he's like, crew. Right. They brought a crew, right? Like the sun was my age and he's down in the valley and guess what he's doing all day. He's just glassing. And I think you can talk on radios in Nevada and he's radioing to his mom and dad. The mom had the tag and what they had done is they had seen a bull the night before up one of these huge canyons, you know, that's like a mile hike to, from the wilderness boundary to get up in there. But they had the advantage of, they could leave an hour before sun up get up into position where they, if they did see the bull or he's there, they could strike and, and kill him. Um, but they had eyes down in the Valley floor. So they had the best of both worlds, right? I didn't have that advantage. If I decided to commit to a hike early, early, early in the morning, I'm going in blind because I can't see anything. Right. And so, well, in Nevada, Nevada, you can't use radio. It is a, the way the law's written is a little weird. Well, then he. I couldn't. I I couldn't run like an earpiece if, like, let's say I was stalking a deer with Dustin, and Dustin had glass on a deer, and I had a radio, and he's like, "Okay, it got up and started feeding." That would be against the law in the state of Nevada, but there's most of the states. It's like it is kind of weird where it's like. Yeah, you can use radios because you use radios to like save people's lives. Like, hey, I'm stuck down here. My side by side is stuck or whatever. So, yeah, it <laughs> most certainly like there's some communications where I could like call Dustin had I been able to, which when you bought that tag, I I mean, you know me well enough. I didn't communicate it to you on via cell phone, but like I looked at my calendar and tried to figure out how to go hunting with you because chasing elk is like my favorite thing to do and yeah. doing it with my buddies is even more fun. Yeah. Um, you know, well, we would have split. Well, what he's describing is we would have split up on a hunt like this, right? Like 
hey, you go in this canyon, I'll go in this canyon. If I find a bull, I'll give you a, I'll call you and be like, hey, we should go hunt this bull over here because right. this does pass the line you're looking for. Right, right. Yeah, and that that for sure, you know, just being able to send guys, you know, if you got that crew or whatever, right, they'll, yeah. you know, they're covering all these 14 canyons or whatever. Um, and so it's, it's, it's just regardless, right. I don't know what anybody was doing. I don't care if they had or didn't have radios or whatever, right. but like, uh, very competitive. Right. And, and just yeah. having someone down there, I don't care if they're given hand signals or smoke signals or whatever, like it's an advantage and I, that I didn't have, right. I was going in blind, uh, every day. And so, yeah. you know, that, that went on for four five, six days, couple, like I said, a couple bulls that I think were bigger than the one I killed at least one of them. Um, you know, and I would get in there and you know, I'm hiked in there and it took me two hours to hike up from the bottom where I last saw him. You know, the advantage that I have this time of year is these late season bulls are typically pretty sticky. In other words, like, you know, if you see them and they're tucked back in this little canyon, they're out in this little opening, like they ain't going to go far. They don't want to go far. They are looking to go the least amount of distance that they can and still feel secluded for the day to get back to their feeding spot later that night. Right. And if, I mean, they would just sit there and feed all day. I feel like, like a cow, if they didn't have to get into the trees and get out of cut and get some cover, but they're not looking to cover a lot of distance They're They have no reason to go anywhere. So that's the advantage that you have is you feel like, okay, if I see a bull and he's out at, you know, seven, eight o'clock and I put him to bed, so to speak, he's probably going to be around there by the time, you know, if it takes me two or three hours to hike up in there, he's still going to be there. The disadvantage is, like I said, other people are already moving on him, right? Like there was very few bulls that were big, big bulls that someone else didn't have eyes on too. Uh, there wasn't a ton of tags in this unit, but there's, you know, there's 90, uh, I think for this particular hunt. And so there's enough guys out there. And like I said, outfitters and whatever, right? I don't have any problem with that. It just was what it was. And so that went on a few times. We made a lot of like, you know, hikes and got into position and someone blew them out or someone had already been up through there by the time I get around there or bull wasn't there. And then I, I actually came down one time and the next day I talked to a kid who was not associated with me and didn't know who I was, but we got talking and he's like, oh yeah, I was glassing that canyon. Was it that bull that, you know, you were looking at down here by this rock? And I'm like, oh yeah, that's him, you know, whatever, big thirds or whatever. And he's like, oh yeah, I watched that bull later that morning. He just kept feeding way up over the top and went onto the backside. And I'm like, frick, like I, I literally hiked up in there all day and got within 500 yards of where I had seen him, where I thought he was going to bed. And I sat there and wasted a whole evening looking at nothing, apparently <laughs> waiting, waiting for that bull to come out. And he was a whole canyon over. Right. And I didn't have well, any clue. So, and that's, that's, uh, I mean, you know, it, this isn't like you going into this hunt knew this, but like, or people don't having a second person there is a force multiplier. Right. Like, it is such a, and my Utah hunt, I didn't kill out on, but I had some great opportunities thanks to having a few buddies there at different times. But like having a second person, there's a really freaking big deal. Yep. You know, we make fun of the Utah culture. Um, you know, they, they draw these tags that 
that take 20 points though sometimes you know similar to this type of a hunt and we make fun of them because there's 18 guys in the photo you know and it, it gets a little ridiculous sometimes right even the the outfitters for sure you know they're they're in a business and so i understand but right. it's like geez you guys you know there's even laws now i think in utah you can only technically hire so many guys on a utah hunt right um Yes, they changed some stuff right, around there. Right. So, you know, but but like even just your family members, you know, anybody can come help for free. And, you know, you'll see these photos where there's 12 uh, friends and buddies and family members and all your aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and sisters, whatever. Well, it's, you know, people from back Midwest or, you know, even other states out West, they look at that, you know, to, to, to defend it a little bit, we look at it and we're like, oh my gosh, like, Oh, there's a Utah bull. You know, it's got 18 guys in there. Like that's a telltale sign. Well, if you, if it was a once in a lifetime hunt and tag for you, you might want that too. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not like a like white tail. Yeah. It's not an over the counter white tail tag that you went down to Casey's and bought when you got your breakfast pizza in the morning and Hell, you know, you just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice reference. And <laughs> You know, so it's a little bit bigger deal. And so that's, you know, I, I understand, I always have understood why they have that or whatever. It's not, you know, and, and especially hunts that have short seasons, you know, or whatever. So anyway, that's kind of the MO of what happened for the first, like I said, six days or so, um, you know, a couple big bulls, a lot of really small bulls, um, 35, 40 mature bulls in total. And, uh, so fast forward kind of through all that, like nothing crazy happened, uh, hunting wise, you know, uh, in that looked over, you know, some bulls that was like, man, do I want to shoot that bull? That's, you know, field judging elk it could be a whole podcast, but, um, I had a pretty good idea of, you know, what to look for and how to find a big bull. Um, you know, I talked about that on the, on the podcast a little bit, um, with, uh, Oh, frick, I'm drawing a blank. Um, Rosso, Stephen Rosso, uh, just barely on elk, late season elk. But um, anyway, fast forward to like the, how, how the thing went down, right? My, uh, which was awesome because, uh, you know, my wife, so Thanksgiving week, basically, and she's down just across the state line in Utah with her family <laughs> and, you know, I, I kind of gave her a hard time. I was like, oh, are you going to come out and have Thanksgiving with me? Knowing that she wasn't like, <laughs> she only gets so much time with her family. And it was like, no, I'm going to, you know, which was fine. Right. I just wanted, I was just giving her a hard time, but, um, she did come out, uh, Friday, no Saturday, no Friday. She came out Friday night anyway. So, uh, Saturday, evening uh we went out we went out glassing to another spot you know a really good spot that's kind of out of the way from all the the bigger rat race of what we were talking about earlier it's just kind of you know there's a lot of unit here and anyway she went out with me which was cool um she was out there the whole day we went and checked a couple different spots and we ended up in the evening overlooking a burn and if you know anything about bulls late season bulls especially even early season bulls it doesn't matter elk love burns. They freaking love them. Right. And so, you know, it was one of the areas I wanted to check out. And, um, 
So she was with me uh, sat till Saturday night. She actually left that night uh, after dark, but it was cool because that's the first time I saw the bull that I killed. And he made the mistake. The mistake that he made was he, I think, came out in a spot where 50% of the time he gets seen and 50% of the time you can't see him from where I was. And he just happened that night to be hanging out with a couple, uh, you know, not small bulls. They were mature bulls too, but they weren't in the same age class as him, right? They were 310, 320, you know, 315 type bulls. Um, and there was three, there was four of them total, him included. And I, I even told Jen, I'm like, you know, I, I spotted him with like 35, 40 minutes left in light. And he's they're they're working their way out of these trees, out into this burn. And I'm like, Jen, I'm like, you got to come see this bull, right? And the what caught my attention right off was his back end, um, you know, excellent fourths and then crazy big fifths too. And, you know, really good main beam after that. So like his fourth, fifth, and sixth, they're like all about the same length, right? They're, you know, between 18 and 20 inches on the one side, especially. And it just had that cool, like, you know, look, right. And, uh, and I, I looked him over and I'm like, man, and I got some really good video of him. And I, I kind of told Jen and, you know, bulls are so, they're still so hard to judge, man. Um, you know, I, I had really good video of him. I, I looked him up and down. I sent him to a few guys that know better or whatever. And, you know, I knew that he was at least in the three fifties, um, is where I put him. I put him probably well, and- Here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'll dive off on this because I kind of got in an argument on my elk hunt. But, like, the difference between a 340 bull and a 360 bull. Not much. Not much. You're talking about yep. about an inch and a quarter per time plus the mass. Plus a little bit like, of mass, right? And And mass is, like, one of the hardest things to really, like – put a score on from a mile or two away like it's almost impossible all you can do is you know average it i guess and then if they have extreme mass that stands out you know you might be able to inflate it a little bit but like when i that that's a good point because when i scored him like you know i i'm sitting there and i'm like well the fronts like he has he has good fronts but i probably underestimated them a little bit too like 16s on his first and seconds I knew right off his thirds were broke. You could see right off like he, like they either didn't grow or they were broke. And I could kind of tell they were broke. And so, you know, those are only six or eight. But then his back end was was really good. But like like what you're saying, man, inch, two inches, it's almost impossible to tell that from two miles away. Okay. Uh, big, big bulls have ex- much bigger heads their, their skull and everything is just bigger. Uh, their bodies are bigger. And so proportions wise, it's hard, it's harder to, you know, use their, their features, you know, Oh, the length of their skull or whatever. Right. It's really hard to narrow it down within a couple inches. You, you almost can't. Um, right. No, that's like, I think Jason Carter, if he has, you know, if he's 800 yards away through a spotter or has, trail cam pictures i think a guy like that you know can probably get pretty freaking close but even you're like 
you know, diehard elk hunter, like you're in the moment, you're looking through a spotter. I, I just, yeah. Well, and talking about an inch per time. Yeah. Yeah. And so all you can do, right. Is like kind of underestimate it and, and, and visualize a really, really tight tape and say, well, okay, those are at least 16, right. They might be 18 or 20, right. Or whatever it is, but you, you always like, like on his thirds, I knew his thirds were extremely short. And so I averaged them at like six. Well, luckily they average at like seven or eight, right? Like they're actually a little bit longer than I thought, but it was like, Hey, you know, and so you, you go through and you're adding it up and I've, I've still got it. It's, it's, it's cool. Cause I kept the, um, man, in fact, I don't, I don't have the, the actual score sheet handy or I could compare them, but you know, it's like I, I, I had first and seconds and thirds and fourths, fifths, main beam mass and uh, average inside main beam measurement, you know, and you're just, you're sitting there adding it up. And, and I had him at like a high three fifties bowl. I, the, the number that I calculated was I'll, I'll brag a little bit. I had him at three fifty eight Okay. And not that I got everything right, you know, cause the mass was more than I thought. Um, but the, the, and the, you know, the fronts were, you know, but the fists were a little shorter, but the width on the main beam was actually a couple inches longer. And so it all balances out. Right. But I had him at three fifty eight that night after I really looked him over and Jen had to leave, but it was cool at least cause she got to see him through the spotter, you know, and she, she like saw him on his hoof and, um, I, I have to give her a hard time because, so there's, there's this, uh, painting, uh, you know, my good, uh, good buddy, uh, Chris Peterson, um, that, that did this drawing years ago that I ended up with of a really big bowl, like, you know, probably 400 plus inch bowl, honestly. Um, but I, I kind of joked with my wife before I left on this hunt, I told her, I said, look, you see that bowl, you know, I'd walk through by in the house. I'm like, that's, that's what I'm after on this hunt, you know, kind of like kind of jokingly, but you know, this is a perfect bowl, right? This is like, he's got 60 inch beams and his thirds are intact, you know, and they're 18 inches long and everything's perfect. Right. Well, she, her first initial comment that she said after I showed her that bull and i like took video of him and she goes, well, honey, you know, this is after a couple hours or we're driving back to the, the trailer or whatever. And she's, you know, I'm like, man, Jen, I'm like, I think I'm going to go after that bull. And she goes, okay. Like, yeah. She's like, you know, is it the one that you really want? And I'm like, well, yeah, I freaking think so. <laughs> like, you know, and she's like, well, you know, you, you, you told, you showed me the one on the wall and like, she's like, it's not quite like, do you think it's really that big? And I'm like, oh, I'm like offended. You know? <laughs> I'm like, who are you? You know? And she, you know, she wasn't being, Jim, yeah, though. she wasn't being anything. She was just no. being nice. And she was trying to make sure that I was going to be happy. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. You know, and that, that bull's like the pinnacle, right? That's like a 410 bull. And this is like, you know, but these are two different bulls, right? And she's just like, well, like he's kind of broke on the one times. Like, is that really? (laughs) Anyway, so she, she put me in check on him real quick, but which is good. You want someone to be like, dude, is this really the bull that you want to go kill? Right. And so anyway, I looked him over, I had him at 358 and I'm like, let's do it, man. Like. You know, so she had to leave that night, but she got to see him uh, on the hoof. I went back the very next morning and I was there early and, um, 
I was in the same exact spot hoping a, that I could be the first and only one glass in that Canyon and B that I would obviously pick him up, you know, out in that burn. Uh, I was the first one there, but I didn't see him. And so, you know, now it's like, you know, it's light at six, seven o'clock rolls around eight, eight o'clock, eight fifteen, or whatever. Well, b- before that, a little bit before that, um, you know, some guys would come up the, the, there's like a main road and then there's a T off of it that goes maybe a mile or two up to the base of the mountain. And then you hit a boundary, right? And it's like, you gotta, you, you know, you're start hiking from there. There's a trail basically. And so my, my plan was try to glass him. If I saw him, I would just, you know, I would take off and make my play, but I wouldn't do anything until I had to. In other words, if there wasn't a guy coming up hard behind me on, on the little side road that I was on, I was just gonna like slow play it and be patient from the Valley floor to see if I could pick him up. Right. And because I hadn't seen him all morning, um, guys, guys had come driving up the main road and I'd, I'd like get in the, I'd get in the side, throw all my crap in the side by side, you know, cause I'm only a couple hundred yards up the little road there. <laughs> I'd throw my crap in the side by side when they're, you know, they're out there a quarter, half mile or whatever. And I'd, I'd start poking along on the road, ready to just like hammer down if they turned up my road <laughs> and they, <laughs> they'd fly by, right. They'd fly by and I'd be like, Urch! you know, and I'd come to a stop and I'd whip my spotter back out and get my little chair and I'd just <laughs> sit there and keep glassing. Well, that went on like two or three trucks. And then all of a sudden somebody, somebody turned up my road and I'm Mm. like, frick, I'm like, all right, haven't seen the bull yet. It's probably eight something. I'm like, well, screw it. Right. It's like, I got to do something for the day. And so I, I just peeled off. Right. I didn't even look back because you couldn't see behind you in this side by side of Jason's. Um, But I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to head up in there. And so. I'm just, you know, it's, it's late enough in the morning that I feel like I should have seen him by now. And I didn't. So now the play is like, okay, someone's pressuring me from behind and I'm just going to go beat him up in there. There's no one up in this big Canyon. And if you picture this Canyon, there's, there's kind of two, two canyons and right in the middle of them, there's a peak and it's a big, it's a big mountain. It's a big peak, right? It's almost a mile long to get up to the top. And if you were sitting on top of that peak, it would not be a good spot to be, uh, as far as hunting, unless you could shoot about a thousand yards. <laughs> well, it just Which so happens. I, I want to chat with you about rifles. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into the rifle. It just so happens that like, you know, I probably have built the setup that could do that. And so, um, it was a perfect spot for me to go hike into. I could see the whole entire Canyon, both sides of this Canyon, right? There's actually two canyons, one coming up each side. I could see left. I could see right, you know, probably a thousand yards one way, thousand yards the other way. And it was the last place that I had seen the bull the night before. And so I'm like, you know, worst case is I spend all day hiking up to this little point that's in the middle of these. And that, that'll be my evening hunt. Right. And I'll, I'll, I'll kind of do what I said earlier and I'll kind of put some eggs in a basket, but I, I'm, I'm taking an educated guess here because I know bulls were in here. The bull I'm after, uh, they're pretty sticky and you know, like there's just a really good chance that something pops out here tonight. Right. And there's a guy coming up behind me and whatever. Right. So those guys didn't know what they were doing. They were just kind of glassing as they were driving up behind me. They didn't really pose a threat, but 
um, I, I get up there and whatever it's, it's, that's what I'm doing for the day. So I take off and about halfway up that there's a little finger off the backside of this ridge that I'm hiking up and about halfway up, there's a little rock outcropping that I could slide around to. And I could see the right side, the right Canyon where I had seen the bull the night before. And so about halfway up this, you know, I know I've been hiking for an hour or so it's like nine something probably. I pull out the spotting scope and I start picking apart this burn and I'll be danged if I don't see the bull within like five seconds, dude. I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, there he is. You know, my first thought is like, Jesus, can I shoot him right now? Right? Not the time, not the distance. He was like 1200 yards. He, I was basically level with him. And he's walking through a burn, obviously. And so there's a whole bunch of burn trees, right? And like, I mean, it was just, it was, you know, even for 600 yards, it would have been a tight shot uh, window. But at 1,200, it's just, you know, not an option. Uh, He was on a bench that you could have only, I guarantee no one could have seen him from the valley floor because there was about a two or 300 yard long bench that he looked like he traveled back and forth on that that no one could see him from on the road he was a little tiny bit higher than that the night the last the night before when i saw him and even more uh interesting is he left those other bulls right which i thought was weird that he was with that many other bulls and especially bulls that were clearly younger than him and guess what? That next morning, he when it was time to go to bed, he split off from them. And they actually went up higher in the burn. They were probably five or 600 yards from him. And they were like bedded out in the open, right? Like young stupid bulls do in the burn. And he right. he's down on that bench. And um, I just, because I had chose to climb up that mountain at least halfway, um, I got eyes on him. And it wasn't a time when I got the shot, but I watched him go into the trees on the edge of the burn and he's in, I could tell he was just going to hole up in this little, just this little side Canyon. Um, and so I kept going up to the top and by then I was, I was actually getting a little closer to where he was as I went another half mile up the mountain and kind of posted up for the day. Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you another real quick of funny, you know, about halfway through that morning, about the time I crested to the top, um, I noticed some guys coming up the other side and, you know, if you picture they're coming up this other Canyon and I think they were, uh, with an outfitter, but they're coming up this other Canyon. And I don't think that they know that this bulls where he is, but they might know about him, right? They might be thinking the same thing I was thinking, like, Hey, we didn't see him this morning. Let's just hike up in there and, you know, see what happens tonight or whatever. Well, they're coming up the backside and they're going to crest out. And the problem that I have with this story is those other bulls that I told you about are like right in line with where they're going to pop out. Right. And I know that they're going to see them. And so I had a, like a weird decision to make because what I can't have happen, if I'm going to kill this bull tonight is I can't have those guys kill a bull right now in the middle of this burn. Cause it'll blow this whole Canyon up. That bull's not going to come out right. if they end up killing those bulls. Right. Right. And so it's like, what do you do, man? Like I'm, I'm off the, you know, I'm on the top and they're coming up the backside and they've got probably a half hour of hiking before they crest out. And I'm like, 
you know, what do you do, man? Like, like, honestly, like, do you want to be the guy that's like up there hooting and hollering and scaring these bulls off? So these guys can't shoot them. Do you just let it play out? Are they even after those bulls? Would they even shoot them? I don't know, man. But like, luckily I didn't have to make, you know, I, in my head, I'll be honest, this was the decision I made. I'm not going to like do anything like out of the or like I'm not going to hoot and holler or jump or scream or anything like that. Right. I thought that was a little like, but what I did decide to do, man, is I'm like, I'm going to, I'm not going to hide myself. Right. And so I kind of, I went around the other side of the the top of the point and I, I was just planning on kind of, I was going to skyline myself. Right. Like I just was like, you know, and whatever, they're not bulls make that I'm, known. I'm going to make myself known, right. I'm not going to yeah. be, you know, un, you know, out of the ordinary, like I said, but luckily I didn't even have to do anything because they were already on their feet. I, I, I edged around the corner and I started glassing them and the one bull was already on his feet. And the, shortly after the other, one of his buddies got up and they just kind of did what I needed them to do without me having to, you know, even do anything. And they just, I think they just got that feeling of like, okay, like we're not actually going to bed in this open burn all day. Um, yeah. Justin's up there. <laughs> yeah. This guy's <laughs> been hiking up and he's getting close. He probably can't shoot this far, you know, but it's <laughs> getting close. And so they just kind of did what I needed them to do. And they hiked, you know, and they just went completely different. You know, they're like, you know, two levels up from where the bull I was trying to kill was, but it just, it, it just worked out for me. And like I said, I don't, those guys, I think ended up killing a bull. Cause later, late, late, late that night, I could see a fire that they had started way up on the other mountain, you know? So I think they had their own plan going and it was all fine. But anyway, so now I'm just, I'm just kind of sitting there and I'm like, okay, well it's like noon and I'm going to get set up and I'm just going to glass the kind of that, that tree line where he went into that little finger, um, that little canyon that little slot spot and just see if i can pick him embedded in the trees or whatever right so i get like set down in the snow obviously there's like a foot of snow up there but i i pull out my game bags i've gotten the i just picked up the um that kafaru set of game bags which was awesome because they're a little heavier duty than most and so i like set one game bag down up where my bipod uh, was gonna set and then I put another one back where like my elbows and the back of my stock was going to be. I get all my stuff. What's that? A shooting mat. Yeah. I've mat basically got a, a mobile shooting mat out of my game bags. Cool. Um, and was planning on just glassing all day. I had like, I pulled snackies out of my, out of my pack. I had my spotter set up right next to the gun. Um, and I'm just covering this, you know, two or 300 yard stretch left and right of where this bull had disappeared earlier, where I knew he was thinking in my head, he's going to step out 30 minutes before light. I'll shoot him at four 30. It's about 800 yards to, um, eight fifty or so to the tree line where he went in. And, you know, I'm just, that's, that's my setup. I've got, you know, I got my range. I doped, you know, I just, I kind of had an idea of the MOA I needed to dial to and whatever. Right. So I'm just ready to glass all day. Well, I glassed for about 45 minutes and that sucker just fed back out into the burn, man. Like got hungry. He just got hungry. And I, again, I think because he's on that little bench that he's been probably running his whole life where literally no one saw him unless they were sitting kind of where I was. Um, he just got used to being able to come out and feed there and it wasn't an issue for him. 
and he just chose the wrong day, man. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, I looked at him in the spotter. He just, all of a sudden I'm like, holy crap, there he is. He walked right back out 45 minutes later. I'm like, he's dead, man. Um, and so at that point it was just, uh, you know, it was just executing something I've done a million times at this point. I feel like, um, you know, I, I actually had to wait about 10 minutes for him to feed towards me. So he starts out at like 825 and he's 815 and then he's 808. And meanwhile, I'm just taking new ranges, new ranges, new ranges, dialing up. You know, I started at, I don't even remember that distance, but you know, 16, 15 and a half, 14 and three quarters, whatever it ended at. And, um, he finally, uh, he goes from about 825 or so to like 760 and he turns, there's, there's no wind. Um, so 760, he finally turns and I'm like, okay, this is happening. I've got the spotter set. I've got Epic, uh, video going of him. I got the kill shot and everything <clears throat> and perfect, you know, dialed up. I, um, the only thing I held for wind was about a half left, right. For some spin drift, um, you know, and just, and touched one off. Um, I will admit I'm a little bit, uh, you know, not, not embarrassed or whatever. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm mad at myself cause my first shot was high. And, um, you know, I, I haven't even told you this, but that gun, um, this gun that I put together, you know, I should have known better because I'd been seeing a, uh, pattern of the first shot cold bore, um, was tracking a little high, you know, and not so high that it was like, Oh gosh, like this is out of my, you know, but like within, you know, three quarters of a minute of where the, the next, you know, five shots would land. But that gun was showing me, um, a consistent, you know, over the last two or three weeks that I'd had it getting tuned up at the range, um, first shot cold bore ran high and, you know, I don't have that stock, that chassis bedded and I need to, um, and maybe that, you know, just a little bit of shifting around or whatever, right. You know, that, that's my best guess right now. But, um, you know, once you would put a cold bore through the barrel and get it heated up the next, you know, you, you could put the next five almost in the same hole right where you were, you know, technically aiming. And so I just, you know, I, sh I should have known, man, I should have been holding the minute low on that first shot, you know, down around his brisket or whatever, uh, knowing that that first shot cold bore was going to run high. And I didn't. And so everything was, I did every, I executed everything perfectly other than that, um, you know, a just working that bug out before time, but I didn't have a lot of time once I knew it was go time on this. And, uh, but B, I should have, I should have accounted for that. Like I'm, I should be better than that. And so the first shot, um, hits him, hits him and left and right's pretty dang good, but it hits him kind of high up near his uh, back strap. Right. And, uh, the other thing here that's interesting is I'm, I'm kind of testing some bullets, right? I'm testing these, um, a tips cause man, if you want to like get people like go and talk about, you know, hunting with match bullets. Right. And this is like Hornady's a tips are like the matchiest of match bullets in my opinion. Right. They've got this aluminum tip and they're just hundred percent not designed for hunting. And so unless you ask, yeah. Yeah, I mean, depends on who you ask. 
Depends on who you ask. I mean, if you ask Hornady, on they'll how tell. You're using it. Well, yeah. <laughs> a lot yeah. of guys hunt with burgers. Sure, sure. And if you ask Burger, they'll tell you some of those bullets aren't right. But if you ask Hornady, like these are not hunting bullets, right? Well, whether this was the tag or not, how did um, they expand at 800 yards? I don't think they. I mean, if they're expanding, my 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 best guess is. Either, you know, maybe that tip's pushing in on itself, but I don't think there's much of that. If, if anything, um, you know, the bullet's probably wobbling and becoming unstable. And then, you know, maybe that jacket's going to shred or whatever. Um, oh, I completely disagree. I think the problem with that bullet is it overexpands. If you shoot something at a hundred yards, it just turns into an eggshell. Well, I think the range you're shooting them with, I think it does quite well. Well, so, so can't wait to hear your experience. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what I saw, which isn't a ton, right? Cause it was just one or two data points here, but we're talking about a 230 grain bullet. We're here, still talking right? about a 230 grain bullet. Um, how fast, uh, 20, 29? uh, 29, just yeah. over 2,900 at the muzzle. I mean, this, this gun, you know, 300 mm-hmm. Norma and it's got a 26 inch pipe on it. Like it's. Yeah. It's pushing a 230, you know, 29 something, um, 2925. And so I, I, ha- I didn't, I haven't actually looked at what my impact velocity would be, but it's, it's around, you know, high two thousands probably. It's a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the, I guess the debate would be, is this really the hunt to be testing a very, very controversial bullet on, uh, Ah, this rack in my living room right here says that it probably was, you know, I mean, you know, if like I, I had guys, man, I had a, I had one guy in specifically reached out and he's like, dude, I've had really, like, I wouldn't recommend it. I've had really mixed deal, you know, and like, okay, well, like, you know, so first shot hits him high up in this and it's, it wasn't like a spine shot. It was just up in the back strap, but you can tell from the video he's, it's enough that like, you know, he wasn't just going to walk off, right? He, 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 he starts backing up, right? That's the first sign of like, something's not perfect, right? He starts backing up. Uh, he starts kind of tilting his head weird, right? You don't see healthy elk. I, I got the video right after it happened. I assume. <laughs> yeah. You don't see healthy elk walk backwards. Yeah. After they've been hit, like he, it's all, he didn't like run forward and then, you know, he just backed up like three steps and starts moonwalking, um, and then stops. Right. And, and when he stops, he starts rocking his head, you know, you'll see, I'm going to post the video up here, like starts rocking his head. And like, that's about the time I sent the second one. He was going to die. I don't know, man. Like, like, yeah. That was a dead elk. I, he probably was, I, I, I didn't, you know, it's just through the back strap. And so I don't know if his spine had a little bit of something in it or whatever, but I wasn't going to let him sit there and figure it out. So about as fast as I could get back, you know, but square my bubble up and everything. I sent the second one. Well, like I told you earlier, the second one did exactly what it had been doing at the range. It freaking center punched him like perfect double lung to like hits him. And, you know, within 15 seconds of that he's tipped over um so yeah 760 a tips i mean it's hard to argue one way or the other when i got over there man he was actually tipped on the on the entry side side and so i saw the exit hole um i don't think you know the both bullets passed through and the exit hole on the second shot 
that I could really see was relatively small. It wasn't a, you know, a massive expansion, you know, like wound. a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Big, bigger, probably, you know, like probably like a golf ball. Um, and you know, but like, uh, pretty good lung, lung blood, um, you know, so yeah. whatever happened in there, man, like you'll see in the video, he's, he's dead on his feet. Like he is dead on his feet. Right. I would definitely uh, shoot I, another elk with a tips, um, just to see what I saw I, the video. Yeah. I, I really think that first shot watching the video. And I think I told you before you even got like a solid look at the video. I'm like, you kind of hit that one high and you had a group message with Jason, Mark and I, <laughs> I was like, nah. nah, you're like, Oh yeah, they both squared him. I was like, yeah. Okay. I hadn't, uh, I hadn't looked at it. You know, I, that was like right. a couple days later. I finally looked, I was like, you know, I was literally like out in the mountains or whatever. And, um, you know, you, yeah. I, when, when you see it, the there, there's a little tuft of hair that, that changes, right. I think on his side and I, it's from, I don't know what it's from, but I'm like, Oh, that must be the impact down there. But it, it, it clearly wasn't. I was a, at least a minute higher than I was aiming, um, at that distance. But, um, yeah, well, he, he I, wasn't, he wasn't doing good, man. I, I really don't think that, that and I, I don't, I hope you don't mind me like talking, talking crap about like the shot, like after you sent that to us, but like, I was like, yeah, you hit a little high on that first one. And you know, I had slow mode it down and was going frame by frame and everything on it. And it was like, yeah, he, Dustin's a very good shot. Like I'm, and I know he's knows he's a good shot and he can spot his misses and, whatever and those are good things to have, qualities to have in a hunter and i'm like hey you hit him a little high and he's like oh no they matched up and i'm like mm. <laughs> he was there i wasn't but i was like oh no i hit him i was like that first shot killed him because you don't see elk soak up bullets yeah especially 230 grain you know you're making a 300 wind mag when you talk 300 norma which a lot of people won't know what a 300 norma is when you're talking about 230 grain coming out of the 300 norma it's like the difference between an ot six and a 300 wind mag you're jumping to a 300 norma yeah you know it's like we're talking about big boy bullets pushing hot speeds carrying velocity it's like yeah that was a dead bull it hit it. They don't walk backwards on purpose. They don't moonwalk, <laughs> as you stated. Yeah, and then the, uh, the head tilting, like he he was just he was but, act, he was acting funny. But Dustin did what you should do ethically. That bull wasn't down yet, and he put another bullet into the boiler room, yeah. and then that bull was down. Oh, dude! I, and even I mean, I I've learned my lesson with big bulls, man. Like. He even, when he tips over on the ground, uh, he's laying there and like, you know, I obviously, I only showed you like 45 seconds of video, but he lays there and I'm, I'm just, I didn't do anything, man. I racked a third one in and I'm, I'm on him. Like I am on him and I don't have a great shot. Tough critters. Yeah. But he's, he's laying and I've got his spine, you know, a really good shot of his back and spine and kind of his torso or his uh, body cavity. 
And he, he, a couple times, like he lifts his little head up and he flicks his ears and he's like, he's not, you know, he's dying, but he's not dead. And I'm like, dude, don't, please don't move, man. Like, don't make me put another one in you. Cause <laughs> I, like I'm freaking sending it, man. Like, yep. like stay down, man. Like stay down. Right. Cause like, I am not even thinking about giving him a chance. I'm by myself. Yep. Like anyway, yep. so luckily he you was, have to. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's not like a question. It's just an ethical thing. You got to end it. Yep. So, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm by myself. Like it was just, it was sweet, man. Like, you know, he's down and it was, it was nice cause it was early, you know, it was like one o'clock and he's dead. And so I, I moseyed over there. Like, you know, what's really nice, um, is being in country where there's not a grizzly bear within a 500 miles <laughs> or even a black bear. And so you can just kind of sit back and just quarter up an elk and start a little fire and just enjoy life. And that's what I did, man. It was just, it was epic. It was just a, it was just everything, exactly everything. I got to him. He was at least as big as I thought, right. I knew. And, uh, you know, I obviously didn't tape him out or anything, but, um, got it, got him hung up about by dark cut up and hung and knew I was going to, you know, I'd already, uh, uh, GPS my dad and, he was coming out with horses that night, uh, you know, which was just killer to have the GPS because I didn't have any service and I would have been four or five hours getting service and it would have been too late. And so, you know, getting that rolling early at like one or two o'clock told my dad and, uh, you know, at that point it was, you know, just got him cut up and took my time and got back. And then, you know, the next day we came in and packed him out. So, um, uh, have you, uh, have you put a rough tape on him? Yeah, I have. Um, so he, I, and I just scored him broken and that's, <laughs> that's probably the last thing that we can, uh, that we can talk about with this is, you know, I put a rough tape on him and, uh, you know, when I say rough, I mean, just, you know, I'm not any expert of a, you know, of a score, or a official score or anything like that, but he, um, I, I taped him pretty tight, man. Like I, you know, it's not something I want to, you know, miss in the wrong. Add ten inches. Yeah, too. I don't want to yeah. be off ten inches in the wrong direction or anything like that. And so, anyway, I uh, I taped him, and I'm I'm pretty confident that he's uh, he went right at uh, three sixty one, three sixty one, and like six eights. And so that's broken up. That's broken. Yep. And that started a whole nother like deal. You know, everyone was just, I, I was curious. I lost lost your audio. It got a little rough there. Got me still. Yeah. I can still hear you. It just, uh, for whatever reason, got a little tougher to hear you. Okay. Um, I had to actually walk outside with my recorder to check something, but, um, sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, Anyway, got him at like 361, and so he's exactly like exactly what I wanted. Uh, then the debate started of like, oh, he's broke, and should I um, or should I not get him fixed? <laughs> and holy cow, like I didn't Hot know. Topic, dude. I'm I had strongly no- opinionated. You, I mean. In the C, you probably didn't notice mine, but I have a strong opinion on that. 
yeah, I, I think I, I think I saw you. I mean, there was like 50 or 60 of them. Like yeah. it, it was nuts, hot man. Topic. Yeah. Hot topic. And you know, it's funny because I had no intention of fixing his times, but I was just curious. I was really just curious, like, Hey, what do you guys think? And holy crap. Um, <laughs> it was like talking about broadheads, uh, fixed or mechanical broadheads, yep. you know? And it was just like, Oh, you know, leave it, fix it, leave it, fix it. That's how he was. Uh, if it, you know, if it breaks when you see him, you know, when you shoot him, then you can, you know, once a bruiser, always a bruiser. Don't fix them. Uh, oh, you earned those battle scars. Uh, you know, why not? Uh, you know, because they look ugly, you should fix them. Uh, because they look awesome, you should leave them. I mean, it was just like, it was what's all. He, what's he score if he's not broken? Like just, I know you can't, but like, tell well, me what he scores if he's not broken. I mean, just a very conservative, ba- based on his other tines, the you know it's hard to say, but based on the mat, the yeah, the circumference of his of his thirds that are broke, the length of his yeah, other yeah, tines. I get that, it. I get it. Just give me a number. At least three seventy five. Yeah, I mean, he's, that's what I figured. He's three sixty two. Both thirds broken. Both thirds are broke. Yep. He's, ah, that sucks. he's 362 broke and you know, he could anywhere from 375 to 380. I don't know. 385 yeah. maybe. So doesn't matter. You know, it's funny. It's if I, out. if I would have shot him, here's what I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. Like if I would have shot him and he was 340, I'd probably get his thirds fixed. Does that make sense? Like just because it was like, well, like <laughs> that's kind of what I was at, you know, but but, but it wouldn't have happened that way. Cause I feel like, you know, I gave it my due diligence and like, I knew what I was pulling the trigger on when I did, you know what I mean? Like, but I, you know, whatever, right? Like, I, I don't know that I even would have fixed him. I'm just, I just don't like it. I like him, how he was. I liked his now I shot a bull last year, two years ago in Wyoming and his whole main beam was broke off and I hate looking at him. Like, I don't even like that bull. Like the, like the look of it, I don't like, you know what I mean? Why'd you shoot him then? That's a whole nother podcast, bro. Um, yeah, that, that's a whole nother podcast. I, I don't know. The short answer is I don't know why I shot him. Have you ever just gotten the heat of the moment bull, you know, not bull yeah, fever. I don't get I bull have. fever, but you just, sometimes you just don't think straight, man. It's a, it's a real thing, but anyway, get excited. So three three sixty one three sixty two right in there. He's he's three sixty plus, and I just love him, man. Like he's healthy bull. He is a healthy bull. He had really really solid teeth. He wasn't like old or anything like that. He was just I I don't know age classes real well, but I bet he was six seven years old or something like that. Like just solid. Like, but yeah, and that was it. I man. was very excited to see you shoot him. Like you, the first thing I got to see was that video you sent me of you hammering and I was like, Oh, (laughs) and I, I don't know if my, I mean, I talk in sarcasms and it's hard to read in text, but I was like, is that a big bowl for that area? (laughs) 
like, oh, that's a stud. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, no, it's it's tuna, honestly, I mean, tuna fish big. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if, bon- aren't bonita fish big? If he was intact, let let's say he's you know scores what he really was, and he's a three seventy five, three eighty bolt. That's pretty freaking top end for that unit. I think you know they they definitely kill bigger. But that's like that's in the top ten or twenty percent. I guarantee. I saw around that four hundred number, and it's easy to say in the social media era, era where you're seeing a lot of four hundred inch bulls drop yeah. every year. But yeah. it's like, dude, a three sixty bull. And I let me since I'm the captain of this podcast right now. Um, we're gonna call a two hundred inch buck a two hundred inch buck. Where do you draw the line? What's the comparable bull elk inches wise for a two hundred for a two hundred inch deer? Yeah, everyone like, inch. Everyone likes to use four hundred inch bulls, but honestly, honestly, I think I think a three hundred and eighty inch now. Like, you know, we're just talking like the growth scores. You know, there's obviously a whole nother level if you're actually yeah. going to go B and C and net yeah. and all Let's that crap, right? Gross. Let's go gross. Yeah, nets are for fish, right? So gross, though, I think a 200-inch buck, honestly, is a 380 bull. I I think it's 360. <laughs> I really do. I, I think right now, if yeah. you had money to play, and you're like, what's easier to go do right now? I have zero points in all states. I'm I'm starting from fresh, but I'm I have you know, I can shoot a rifle, I can shoot a bow, I can draw tags, whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm starting today. I think it's easier to go out and kill a 200 inch deer than it is a 360 inch bull. Yeah, I mean, that's an opinion. Let's no, I'm I'm with you. Let's meet in the middle at 370, and then and then put it this way, right? You and I stumbled. Let's be honest, we stumbled onto a 190 plus inch mule deer in Colorado a couple years ago. He was 199 and three eighths. I actually very hard to glass him up. I'm gonna be honest with you. I rescored him because long story short, but he was literally at the. taxidermist for two years and i just got him back and i don't Your grandpa no not not grandpa a different one okay different tag that's why it took two years um i put another tape on him man and I, I don't know if i taped him wrong this time or i taped him wrong the other time or if he i mean they don't shrink that much right but i only got they him at like drink. i got him at like 194 so that's that's what i'm gonna say but re- regardless he's 190 inch deer right. let's call it that, we, we i think Quite honestly, I think five inches of shrinkage on a velvet buck, I don't think's out of hand. But okay, well he 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 did something because I'm not that off on my scoring, right? Like, anyway, right. we stumbled on a 190 inch deer on basically a one point unit, let's call it, in Colorado, right? Over the counter. Over the counter. Find me where you're gonna go kill a 370 bull on an over-the-counter type hunt. You know what I mean? Like, it is, it's just, dude. Random of random in units for residents 
in Wyoming or Montana. No, that's it. You're in. You're not, man. Like you're not. Yeah, I have I, yet I, to I see. I think there's three. I think there's three seventy inch bulls getting killed somewhat consistently on general units for residents in Montana and Wyoming every year. A couple. One or two. Okay. It's happening. <laughs> right. A couple in the state in the, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you could Very... do that. The guys are doing that, you know, almost every unit in Colorado. You know what I mean? Like 190 that's, inch deer. That's where I'm at with it. Where I like the whole 200 inch buck to 400 inch bull. Yeah. It does. It, it, delete it. Yeah. Like I'm closer to 200 to 350 than I am. Yeah. 200 to four. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm with you, man. Like I really am. And, and part of it's the 60 bull on any unit, any hunt is a fantastic bull broken <laughs> or not. Yeah. Well, thanks man. And, and it tastes way better too. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's, he's out here hanging out. His meat's hanging out in my little, I've got like a little, um, you've seen my, uh, yeah, my mud room. Nice. That's kind of unfinished. Yeah which works perfect for this type of thing. Cause it's probably hovering, you know, there's heat from the house that gets in there, but it's really uninsulated. So it hovers probably around 35 degrees or so, you know, for like nine months out of the year in Wyoming. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so. Uh, so I drew a limited entry tag. Didn't kill epic hunt, ton of opportunity, whatever you say. Uh, I have enough Wyoming, points next year to draw mm-hmm. and i want to kill one with a rifle because i'm sick of archery hunting elk and i just want to go slap one so done I'm, man like ser- like hey i have like six or seven points really yeah um, and so i think you, jason i need to come out i was gonna I say you might triggers you might even point boost and, jason yeah i i think that he was mentioned that the other day and i was like i didn't bring it up but yeah Let's point this, Jason. You figure out your cold bore shot on that 300 Norma <laughs> because I feel like I introduced you to the 300 Norma. Listen, I don't know if you remember those rifles that came through that all shot really well that I had recommended when I was up at Gunworks. <laughs> uh, yeah, get that cold bore shot figured out and let's go. I'll, uh, dude, I have a whole nother podcast about archery hunting elk. It took me the entire 10 years I lived in the West, moved from Iowa, started drawing points, clear up to the last day I lived in the West. I didn't kill one, and I just want to come back and pull triggers on one. I'm sick of archery hunting. Well, I'm I'm re-accommodating, or I'm re-acquiring um, my podcast back. Um, I'm quarterbacking this for the to close this, and I'll say you okay. are – you're you you went from one of probably the most helpless elk hunter that i'd ever seen like (laughs) literally like i'm not holding any punches here i mean you were clueless right you were exactly what you would picture some random iowa boy coming out and being right like no clue to honestly like one of the best elk hunters i know like killed you've killed bulls by yourself you've helped me kill bulls you've i mean just like you you've you're like the guy you know you're like the guy that people want you've 
you are, people don't know this, but you're the guy behind the five foot bull that South Cox killed the bull like that. That is Corey. Like people don't understand that Corey was the one on that hunt calling that bull in. Right. Like you've, you, I mean, you're no, the guy. I, I, I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm sitting here looking, I'm in my like quasi trophy room in this new house, sitting here chilling, looking at a couple elk that I have to my name that I'm very freaking proud of. And they're not 360 bulls <laughs> combined. We'll get one. I've, I've got, uh, you brought up book cliffs. I don't know if you remember, but you drug out a uh, shed on that bull you killed in 2016 with a trad bow. You yeah. found a shed, which made it out. I'm staring at it. I've had, I had a good run, and I appreciate uh, the kind gestures, but yeah. I'm not the I'm not the killer. I'm the I'm the llama, and you got some llamas now, so you don't need me anymore. Yeah. But uh, well, next next year, man. Well, Seriously, like that that let's hunt's go, gonna happen. So let's go pull triggers. Yeah. I'm, archery hunting is fun, but yep. Well, like to slap them. It's uh, luckily it's basically application seasons upon us. So, um, yeah. You, you, in fact, you as a non-resident, you guys have to have your apps in. You know, coming here in January. So, man, I just end I, of January. I love this time of year. It's so much fun. So. Right around the corner. Yep. Well, man. Well, congrats on the bull. I'm happy to hear the story. It, I knew it'd be a good one. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It just, it was the, that hunt, the bull, everything. I mean, it was just exactly what um, I paid for. You know, it was exactly what I was expecting or hoping or praying for or whatever. Um, knowing the hunt, knowing the unit, knowing myself, knowing the situation. Like, I just, I couldn't you know like again i would it was just... well I, I think one thing that got lost in the message was and dustin is i'll say humble enough to not like elaborate on this but like dustin the one thing i've learned coming from iowa where you could just go buy a tag at walmart and go hunt whitetail the next day or the same day is in the west you have all these anomalies or you have all these like states who have different rules and regs and situations and whatever. And if you stay on the ball, cause it's changing every single year and it drives me bonkers. Cause you'd think you could just learn every state and be like, this <laughs> is how I have to do this state. But Dustin stays on top of it every single year and you just learn to put yourself in the best situation possible where it's like yeah oh what what units are you applying for it's like no every year that changes because these units go up and yeah. down and left and right and the rules change and whatever and because dustin stays on top of these rules and how the game is played he puts himself in a situation that is best for you know, I have six points, I have zero points, I have 12 points, but this is a 20-point tag that I can pick up right now. I'm going to go hunt it. Yeah. And it's like, that's how you, like, it's only going to get worse as we move forward. And 
you just have to stay on the ball and put yourself in the best position possible. Yep. And I envy you. I raise a glass for being in that situation. Go kill a 362 bull. Yeah, thanks, man. I'll raise my monster. <laughs> Orange or white? Uh, black, if you can believe that. Black. I I did something stupid. I bought a whole case of ultra blacks. I'd never had one before off of Amazon, so I've, I had like 24 of them. <laughs> And I don't, never had one, I don't, case. I'd never had one and I don't love them, but I'm just like blitzing through them, uh, to get rid of them so I can go back to the whites. So <laughs> sounds racist, uh, but, but the orange is the best orange is, orange is good, but it's not a white. So agree to disagree. Well, thanks for catching up, man. Wish you, good wish you the best then. out there. Yeah. I look forward to coming out and seeing everything out there and just, you know, spending a few days. So sometime soon this winter, hopefully, uh, uh, maybe in between one of these trade shows or something. So go brother. Not that far from Dallas safari. Yeah. There we go, man. All right, brother. Congrats again. Thanks man. Have a good night. You too. Hey everybody. Thank you for listening to the finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit FindingBackCountry.com.